Hey there, Turnip. This is Inyash. <laughs> Forgot that name. Hey, Inyash, this is Steven. <laughs> Steven, I bet I can guess why you're Turnip. Is it because Onion's name is the best name ever? It's because now that we know that Onion sucks, we can freely make fun of how stupid his name is. <laughs> oh, damn. I think Onion's a badass. His, his parents looked at him, and they're like, Onion, that's perfect. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what his parents were thinking, but... I am kind of impressed with how much of a stone-cold motherfucker this guy is. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a stone-cold motherfucker, but he's the kind of guy who, like, apparently just murdered with wanton abandon throughout his entire life. And because he's nobility, just got a cushy government job out of it rather than thrown in prison. So, Oh, I wouldn't say he's a good person by any stretch, no. Yeah. He's a good character, but he sucks as a person. Yes. And therefore is a good target for name-based ridicule. (laughs) <laughs> I think, actually, if someone's liable to murder you and be able to get away with it, they'd be a terrible target for name-based ridicule. I feel like I'm a safe distance. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, what is it that we do here on this podcast? Oh, yes. Uh, we, on this podcast, titled Not Everything is a Clue, talk about Alexander Whale's web serial Worth the Candle, now available on audiobook and ebook near you, uh, books Hell one through yeah. three. Yes. And actually, apparently, I guess not completely one through three. It ends with uh, what is online, chapter 42, uh, A Pleasant Interlude in Kansas, which isn't actually the end of book three, I found out, but pretty close. Yeah. Um, At any rate, that is where it ends. Uh, It's it's the first major chunk, I guess we can call it. And we are very happy to uh, to be promoting this because, I mean, we love this book. How many hours have we already spent talking about it? Many. God, two and a half times 50... I mean, maybe it's easier to just say 50 times three because we're a little past episode 50. So 150 hours, I would say, is probably within 10 hours of that. Yeah. Okay. That's a lot of hours. That's a lot of hours. All right. Well, if you would like to support us in all these hours of talking that we do, we do have a Patreon where you can throw us a couple bucks a month if you'd like. Uh, We also kick back 15% of that to Alexander Wales. And you can also support Alexander Wales directly through his Patreon if you would like to do that um, and or don't want to buy his book because you already read it all or something like that. Uh, So those are also options. Um, And we have a few things to touch on before we begin. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I put uh, a bunch of notes in like the unorganized section at the top that I won't read everything, but basically I maybe I just felt like bumming myself out last night or something, but I hmm. so far haven't gone back through and like skimmed the book, but I wanted to go back mm-hmm. and look at Uther stuff. And so um, on the way there, I bumped across like the chapter called like the loyal elf or something. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, let's get some femme bum outness. And it was hmm. that book that I was sure was important. And I think I probably vindicated myself in the episode way back when but um like the shopkeeper just gave him this extra book and i'm like i bet that's important and luckily june thought the same thing and it's the Mm -hmm. one where it talked about the juniper tree underneath the giant smith statue and stuff um yeah and i brought that up because oh it was some prince or something but then uh when emeralds was first talking about uther she mentions that like um he had these two sons, one warrior and one scholar. And I think that they mentioned some long story involving the sons that we haven't heard about yet. So that'll be fun. Mm. And last but not least, um, Oh, fell seed. I'm sure I said, I might've said this before, but I can't remember. Um, so my go-to plan obviously is if things hit the, you know, things are going badly. You can always summon the cannibal when you're fighting fell seed. Yeah. It, will it make things worse? Maybe almost certainly. But the rule of cool suggests things might work out. So um, 
But that said, I don't. I think I might have said this before, but I don't think that Uther is Felseed mm-hmm. because June invented Felseed after Arthur got here, right? Uh, the yes, so yes, he there, did. There might be some, you know, fuckery with the timing, which makes sense because Arthur also didn't get here five hundred years ago. So yeah. I don't know how that works. But if he is Felseed, then he can be like, "Oh, hey, it's me, June," and be like, "Oh, June, what's up, man?" And <laughs> it might be like that. So. We, I guess we will eventually find out. So I'm going to hold off saying anything until we get there. I hope it's like this like horrific battle to get to him. And then it's like, oh, dude. And then they just high five. Unless he's not Felseed, which I hope he's not. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, before we, Thanks for indulging me. <laughs> oh, no problem at all. Uh, before we jump into from the audience, I wanted to make a couple, uh, I guess, brief announcement thingies. Uh, the first being that just a few days before this, you and me sat down and recorded a special episode where we talk about the Peacemaker. Is it the Peacemaker or is it just Peacemaker? I always say Peacemaker, but I don't actually know. So Okay. It's the HBO series, eight episodes that aired recently with John Cena as a comic book villain, I guess, because uh, he was in the Suicide Squad movie. Uh, anyways, it's fucking hilarious, and we had a great time talking about it for about an hour, including uh, whether this was a kind of a not very well-veiled metaphor for uh, AI and possibility of friendly AI taking over the world, or perhaps if it was something entirely different and to do with um, the current political situation. Anyways, I thought we had a lot of fun talking about it. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it was a good time. It'll be out a few days before uh, this episode airs. So patrons, you have probably already seen it in your feed. Uh, You can listen to it whenever you want. People who are not patrons, you can listen to nothing. (laughs) (laughs) They can listen Uh, to this. Yes, they can listen to this. That's true. Uh, Or they can, you know, just jump on, be a patron for one month, download all the patron content, and then then get rid of the subscription again. But yeah, those are those options. Not, not a bad plan at all. Yeah. Patreon really should just have like a thing where you can throw 20 bucks at somebody. Uh, I feel like I would do that more than sign up to give somebody two bucks a month for like a year or whatever. Right. Yeah. I think that would be a better option as well, but I don't think they have that option. So eventually. Yes. Uh, there was also one other thing. I remember I, when I um, won the EA short fiction, not one, when I took third place in the EA short fiction contest felt like winning because of fucking how huge the third place award was. You won third um, place. Congratulations. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you. When I did that, I announced it here. Uh, recently, I had another story published. I don't remember if I mentioned that one, though, did I? No. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, uh, about a week ago, week and a half, uh, I had another short story published in a different venue, this one called Dark Matter Magazine. Um, it's called We Shall Not All Sleep, But We Shall All Be Changed. Uh, it is a biblical reference. Uh, it's a story about... Two robots trying to preserve their um, human biological family into the future through the apocalypse. Uh, but if you would like to check it out, it is available at Dark Matter Magazine, and I'm pretty happy with this one. Uh, I tried to do something sort of with a console trading in it, but I don't think I got it quite right. But it doesn't matter because I think the rest of the story is still pretty solid. Okay, so if I'm a muggle who wants to read this, do I just go to darkmattermagazine.com? I'm in the latest issue, which is issue eight. Yeah. All right. There it is. Easy to find. Everyone should check this out. And anyone who didn't read. um, Oh, wait, this is already on here. Like, I don't have to pay for it. Oh, no, wait. Purchase issue eight to read the rest. I see what it's doing. It's it's uh, it's teasing us. Okay. so you do have to buy it. That's good. Um, You deserve every every penny that you'll get from it. 
Um, but anyone who didn't read the I See Dead Kids, like you're missing out. It was good. It's short. Check it out. Oh, digital PDF. Okay, there we go. I was going to say because it's like apparently the magazine is sold out. But oh, all the all the print copies are sold out already. Yeah, it looks like it. Wow, shit, that was quick. Okay, then, but you can nice. still get the digital copies. Sure can. Five bucks. Well done, bud. That's awesome. Yeah, and you also get a whole bunch of other good stories in there uh, as well, not just mine. So you aren't paying five bucks just for one short story. There's some there's a ton up. of shit in there. Yeah, some runner yeah. up stories. <laughs> hey, on the on the featuring list, they you're, are not, you're they are two. not ranked. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, well. And I, it is I, not sorted alphabetically. So Well, okay. They're still not ranked in any sort of way. They were just kind of... I don't know what, how what, what the featured order is, but... Inyash got second why place. it is what it is. Oh, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the... We've spent way too long on that. So we should move on to uh, listener feedback before we get into the, the main story. Yes? Let's do it. Cool. Uh, on our website, which is linked in every show description, so you can go there if you want to, uh, Feeping Creature commented, You misunderstand the way of dad humor. June's dad probably knew perfectly well what Dungeons & Dragons was like, as you need to have a good level of knowledge to say something that seemingly obvious, yet brutally uninformed, <laughs> in, <laughs> in relation to when he asks, have you killed any dragons? Yeah, no, I, I like it. It's distinctly plausible. Um, I think... My my only, like, I don't know, the only thing to keep me from fully endorsing that is that I feel like if his dad was more of a nerd, he'd suck less. But mm-hmm. I realize I have no basis for that judgment. So I think you're probably Sometimes right. Sometimes nerds suck, too. Yeah. You know, and we we got enough background to realize that um, his parents had a rough go of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. No, that's, that's a good observation, thieving creature. High five. Yeah. And uh, second listener feedback was from Fred LF, who says that when the uh, Pipe Dream chapter first was published, they had a lot of comments similar to what you said, where you said, June, you fucking fucking fucknut. Why didn't you fuck them up as soon as they busted out the pipe? And uh, Alexander apparently got a little exasperated by just how many people were saying that. And uh, he, he briefly commented in a subreddit, first saying that he doesn't like characters that spend tons of time in text uh thinking over something that only takes like 30 seconds to happen in real in the actual not game time but in in the actual events play out because no one really has that much time to think and react but he said most importantly ahem that aside most of juniper's concerns here are political he's worried that it's a trap of some kind a deliberate provocation that will put him in hot water deprive emerilis of an es- asset escalate toward other violence etc Almost all the options for stopping Nero either constitute assault or aggravated assault by the standards of English common law, or result only in a delay. Further, Juniper is both confident in his abilities and has taken a narrow and has a narrow window of weakness, meaning that even taking narrative and DM fuckery into account, he calls it the same whatever. thing I call it. <laughs> yes, that is whatever. That is outstanding. <laughs> Whatever the pipe does is not necessarily going to instantly incapacitate him if it does anything at all. The pipe is a trap of some kind, but Juniper doesn't know what kind of trap it is. And a wide variety of actions might constitute walking into that trap. And he makes a really good point. The pipe might just be a pipe, right? Yeah. Or like if it just blew smoke rings, then like June, again, I think we mentioned that, like he cuts this guy's head off and uh, has to explain to a judge that he felt threatened by this pipe that blows smoke rings, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know that as an analysis podcast, we generally ignore word of God because 
point is to analyze the word and and not the things that he says afterwards. But and I thought it was interesting to also throw that in in this particular case. I think he makes an extremely compelling point, and I'm glad that I think we hit every beat that he hit here, but without enough uh, oomph. Because yeah, we we talked about the time constraint, especially the next week when I was like, okay, June's a genius. You know, he did all the things, checking on his friend's souls and all this and that. Not to mention how he escaped. And then I think I even said, you know, the the pipe thing was a momentary lapse in judgment under time pressure, you know, like, yeah, it, it's, it was forgivable. I, I, I don't know what it'd be like to write in front of a live audience like that. But if someone gave mm-hmm. me shit about like a writing decision I made, it's like, all right, you write your own fucking book. Right. <laughs> right. I, I think, yeah. I think I might say that after the first time someone like said you did something <laughs> wrong and I'm like, okay, oh, oh, I'm sorry. You want to write 150 chapters of your own goddamn book? And then I'll tell you that I didn't like this scene. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, as a reader, I was totally with June the whole time. And like I said, I'm not sure I would have attacked him either. It, it was a hard call for me. I thought it was well written. Um, as, as an author, like, if that many people have a problem with the scene, it probably means that I failed to convey what I meant to convey in the, in the sense that, you know, oh, this is really an entirely political trap that he's seeing. He doesn't think he can actually be hurt by the pipe. Um, I don't know. It... it, it it may have been slightly less than perfect, but I thought it was fine. And uh, I don't know. Other people may be more picky. Yeah. I mean, and this isn't just me, you know, being nice to Alexander Wales, hallowed be thy name. Um, hmm. But it's, uh, or how did Amaryllis put it? May his dice always roll fair or something. Um, yes. But no, I think like, you know, it, it says something about the political ramifications. Like that's in the text. And this is just from memory. Um, we know June's a, you know, crazy badass so you can tackle just about anything um mm-hmm. you know i think all of that the things that he puts in there is is implied maybe, maybe there could have maybe been a sentence of like everything was happening too fast but that might have actually been in there mm-hmm. and so you know it's i think what i felt wasn't like this is bad writing it was that no it was like oh june i'm pissed he walks into this trap um and i i don't even think i used the term idiot ball it was just like um you know, don't go in there. He's behind the door, man. Um, like, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that you see as the, uh, as the reader, but again, in the scene, it took just seconds. Um, yeah. and I think I even put that in my notes. I'm like, I'm sitting here spending 15 minutes reading through these 10 paragraphs. Cause I'm pausing to write notes. Like, uh, it's real easy for me to see things coming when you, when I'm going real, real slow. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, anyway, uh, that's, that's a good, uh, find by um, Fred LF, who I don't know if anyone isn't on Discord and isn't aware of uh, Fred's contributions. They're nonstop, like encyclopedic. It might actually be Alexander Wales. Uh, like, pretty sure it's not Alexander Wales because Alexander Wales is Alexander Wales and is also on our server, right? But you know, could be an alt. Um, oh come on! No, it's, it, it's, he's, it's he's got pro- better things to do with his time. It's pro- it. it Fred LF, who may or may not be Alexander Wales, has an awesomely <laughs> encyclopedic knowledge of this story. And like every time there's like a question, it's like, oh yeah, no, it's right here. And, you know, text cited. So um, high five. High five indeed. All right. Let's high five right into the mirror room. Let's do it. Because that is one place where you would want to high five someone to see if it's mirrored, but then you could would hit the wards and it'd be a problem. I don't know. I'm fumbling. Never mind. No, Fuck that. It's... Cutting it out. Oh no. <laughs> you could do whatever. 
Um, okay. So the mirror room is a basically safe meeting place for hostile parties where they sit on opposite sides of a table separated by wards that only allow speaking volume voices and light through. Um, this is uh, apparently a room Uther set up to have some tense negotiations, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And there's just this awesome flex where Grack is like, yeah, the wards are strong. I think I might be able to subvert them though. And it's just because he's a badass. Um, you know, he's yeah. not, he's not one to boast. Right. So mm-hmm. he, he's just being, he's letting Amaryllis know that. But the other thing that I forgot until Amaryllis mentions later on is that he's ward proof. <laughs> so the that, wards that, don't even matter to him. Right. That That's like a perk of his, right? Yeah. And that puts him at just this ungodly level of power. And it would have just been so awesome. Like remember when down the, down the line where Hyacinth is crying, these crocodile tears or whatever, mm-hmm. he should have handed her a tissue. <laughs> So that would have been fucking amazing, but that's something you want to hold in reserve in case you need it. I mean, true, but it's once you flex a power like that, they wonder what the fuck else can these people do? (laughs) Or better yet, she would, she would be like, are these words not even real? And she'd go to touch it and she'd, you know, annihilate blood and bone or something. Right. I don't think they were annihilation wards. No, probably not. But whatever they were, she would hurt herself. Hopefully maybe it would sting. Yeah. Or at least she would look stupid. Yes, yeah. which is a reward all of its own. It really is. <laughs> the first thing I pulled out was that um, she got thinking about like, yeah, Rose Mallow just got really good at playing the game, but she lost sight of, you know, what her why she's playing the game to, to achieve these goals. And then he mentions, you know, the hazard of optimizing against metrics uh, and because then you just start going after the metrics rather than what you really wanted. Like uh, the, you know, fishers giving quotas to fill fish and the, suddenly they catch, you know, lots of small scrawny fish. I loved having that in there because it's just another sign that you, this is a rationalist work where it gives a direct blatant shout out to Goodhart's Law. And also seeing like a state, although I'm not sure if seeing like a state was like in the, the rational sphere um, yet at the time. Well, it might have been, might have been an Alexander sphere. That's true. He could have read it earlier than than when it was introduced to the wider audience. Yeah, it's it's fun because Lost Purposes is a subsection of Goddard's Law, or maybe it's more encompassing, rather. Goddard's Law is a more specific case because Lost Purposes is a less wrong post, right? Yes. Yeah. And that's more just about like, yeah, forgetting the target kind of. um, Yeah. Or missing it anyway, but... Goddard's law on Wikipedia. When a measure becomes the target, it ceases to be a good measure. Exactly. You know, if I could think of something that pithy that conveyed that much like information, that that would actually be super cool. Life, new life goal. I want, I want a two sentence, uh, pithy, smart thing. I'm, uh, I'll put that on my on my list. That would be a wonderful goal too. And I also hope someday some will have like a Zuber's law or a Brodsky's law. Oh yeah, I didn't even think I got to obviously name it after myself. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll start. I'll start thinking of laws. Oh boy, those those are hard. It'll be tough. Uh, oh, that's actually perfect. Legal standards. Segway. Anglican effectively had two different legal standards: one for members of the court and the other for commoners. Yep. And I, I just knew you'd love that. I love my nobility, man. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, the I guess we'll get to that more when Onion comes up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they're doing their negotiations over three percent seven percent whatever and then hyacinth comes out and is like uh just let me know just just tell me that you killed him or something i just want to know what happened to him and uh like this really takes emeralds by surprise it took me by surprise too 
because like as Amarillo says, she obviously couldn't and wouldn't admit that she had a hand in killing him, but Hyacinth knows that she can't admit that. So why the fuck is she asking? And like I was also wondering why the fuck is she asking? This is bizarre. The the idea that Amaryllis came up with was that the goal of a of that was to make the other person look and feel unreasonable, which I think like for a a regular rube like me would probably work. Like, oh man, I'm being so unreasonable here in this negotiation. I guess I should give a little bit more. But like Amaryllis is smarter than that, and also it's not working on her. And also, Hyam said should know it wouldn't work on Amaryllis. So. The whole thing was just really kind of weird. I guess maybe Hyacinth is just playing one level below Amaryllis here. That it certainly seems like it. You know, if uh, if they killed Larkspur in a way that he didn't deserve it, and like mm-hmm. she felt bad about it, this would be kind of a good tactic, right? Yeah. As it as it was, you know, they they moved mountains to try and escape from this guy. Yeah. You know, who then moved his own mountains to to pursue them, and it's like, okay, we've got to we've got to stop him. Um, it's like, no, I don't feel bad about it, and. Yeah, so I, I mean, I don't, I don't even think that she's trying to make her feel bad about killing Larkspur. She's just trying to make her feel unreasonable for like. She's like, look, I won't ever tell anyone. It'll stay between us. I just want to know what happened to my dead husband. Just tell me that, and I'll, I'll give up so much in this contract. And so you know, you're like, oh man, I'm being so unreasonable. Just not saying, yeah, okay, it was me. He was trying to murder me. It was self defense. But like, like, literally, it's a trap. And Amaryllis, unlike June, when she sees yeah. a trap, does not step into the trap. Well, this this is an easier trap to avoid. Um, yes. June didn't know which way to step to avoid that trap, right? Yeah. Um, th- this one's obvious. Like, don't admit to murder. Um, and they're not Actually, alone. I guess, Let's keep that in mind, know, right? They've got their warders. You know, come to think of it, like, what if June had attacked the dude and it had turned out that the pipe was just like a regular pipe, except it, like, puffs blue smoke or something? Then everybody that's reading it would be like, June, you fucking idiot. You walked right into the trap. Obviously, he was trying to bait you into hitting him. There was just a regular <laughs> pipe there. How how are you such an idiot, June, stepping into that obvious trap? And so, you know, I I, I feel for Alexander Wales. It's like no matter what June does, the, the people are going to complain that he was being dumb. I think you're absolutely right. People would have freaked out if they're like, what? you? He didn't do anything yet. And you, you already attacked him and, and ruined all, you know, brought the empire against you and all this and that. Um, yeah. the only thing I could think of is like, I wonder if stealing him with still magic counts as assault or if vibrating the pipe in half would have counted as assault, but those are all, again, it's really easy to win it or to like get jeopardy answers correct when you're safe at home and not standing there, you know, looking down at a guy who's basically threatening to kill you with your, you know, and you've got your sword drawn, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I give June a, a an understandable pass on that. So, um, I don't understand what, what Hyacinth is doing here. Um, like either she's playing one level higher than me and I'm completely missing it, or she's like buying time. Right. Mm. Or, or she- mm, right. Cause she knows she's got the, the Yarrow and Zinnia in the other room trying to, trying to talk Juniper through this game of uh, dumbest entad. Yeah. I mean, I figure you could sit there and kill all the time you need by arguing about, you know, no 2.8%, 2.85%, you know, like, <laughs> right. so that this just seems like a, maybe try to get Amaryllis on the back foot, but I like how she, she's, uh, Amaryllis just quickly says, I didn't kill him. And it has the benefit of being mostly true, right? Um, I mean, she wasn't the one that cut his stupid head off. Mostly true. 
<laughs> she, right. I she did stab him. him a whole lot in the final confrontation. Yeah, yeah. I tried my best to kill him. I did, but I didn't kill him. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. Hyacinth, let Hyacinth. Uh, so Amaryllis is thinking about it, and okay, no, I'll take the high road and show empathy and concern and phrase it just like some future deposition or court hearing, which is like a really fun way to think about how you phrase things. And I will often caveat like something out loud and be like, okay, well, if the court reporter reads back what I'm about to say, you'll, mm-hmm. you'll see that I didn't admit to anything. Um, but that's how she's doing this. Cause she's smart and you know, tape recorders probably exist. Um, but she's like, let Hyacinth look like an asshole or show her proof. That's what she really wanted to do. Yeah. Like, yeah. Fuck her. You know, so that's right. It's only a little messy because on the other hand, Amarillo's, did basically kill him so <laughs> i could have it both I, ways i think i like what amaryllis finally came up with at the very end where she was like you know what she's probably just giving me a taste of what happens if i don't make a deal with her that she's gonna play exactly this card in the courts and everyone's gonna feel bad for her and everyone's gonna come down on amaryllis and she's gonna go through this political hell for the rest of her life if if you don't add just just a few percent right now so yeah, maybe maybe it was a demonstration of like you really want to deal deal with me now because this is what you're in for later. And I just, like, I mean, <laughs> using your dead husband like for that fucking pen drags. I mean that that's that's probably it. It it certainly seems like um, the and she's like, oh, and you know, I'm I'm with child, and I don't know when he died, but I feel like it was months ago. You know, it was before they went to Kumduna. Yeah, before, it was right after they met Solace, I think. Like. Uh, I mean, so it's been a while. I feel like Hyacinth would be showing by now. And so um, I think she's lying. Um, she could be. It's possible. I mean, if she got knocked up right beforehand, sometimes you don't start showing until like month five. You can keep it hidden to like six, seven, probably six. Definitely not seven. Maybe we should look this up. Yeah, not seven. My sister is five months pregnant right now and she looks tell? pregnant. Um, okay. Like very, uh, so I don't know. Maybe her stuff is atypical, but in any case, I'm going to just say that I think that Hyacinth's full of shit. Cause why would she be honest about anything? But yeah, she That's should, true. she should have been like, Oh, Larkspur, my, my, my dear husband, his favorite number was 35. If we could get 35%, that would put my heart <laughs> at ease. Uh, but then she, uh, she's like, I need to go collect myself. Excuse me. And she's going to go check and see what all the, uh, how things are going outside. Um, mm-hmm. And I was really hoping that uh, like Raven would shoot one of her magic spheres into this room. Cause we didn't know what happened after June was unconscious. Right. Yeah. And it looks like she might've tried, but it either mm-hmm. fizzled out or she missed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so high five on her for at least giving that a shot. But yeah. uh, all that happens here is uh, Hyacinth leaves. Then she comes back and then she's like, okay, I- how about a, how about a quick, let's settle this real fast. Uh, yeah. I, I love that fast. we already know <laughs> why, what happened outside, you know, like for us, it's like, oh shit, we know exactly what happened out the outside. So it's, it's more interesting seeing thing, thing, the way Hyacinth reacts when she comes back. Yeah. I, if I imagine it in the, in the other order where like we got all this first and then all the June stuff, mm-hmm. this would have been less interesting. I would have like. I might not even remember that this was a mystery. I'm like, why did she leave the meeting and then come back and change her mind? And I'd have to like yeah. sit and think I'm like, Oh, because it's probably right around this. No. Yeah, yeah. Doing it this way was, was well delivered. Yeah. Yeah. The, so uh, she comes back, they're negotiating a little bit and um, 
Amaryllis is thinking, okay, looks like we're going to be landing on this deal. It could all be settled pretty easily here. Um, but it doesn't fit. Like, narratively, this solution doesn't fit. And I, as soon as she mentioned that, like, I hadn't been thinking that. Because, again, I got pulled into the story. But Amaryllis is always thinking about uh, about the narrative. And, like, she's thinking, Hyacinth isn't accepting this offer not because it's not a decent offer, but because fucking the DM wants me to save the kingdom from the corrupt royal family somehow. He's not going to let me just sign a contract and walk away. I'm like, God damn it. That just, uh, that, that would be really frustrating to have a God in your life like that. Who's always like, no, 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 no. You can't just walk away from problems. You have to take the heroic way out. Yeah. You know, if he's messing with Hyacinth's mind to make her less reasonable, or he just made her the kind of person all along who wouldn't take a reasonable deal like this. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, frankly, she's right. It, could you imagine like all this hubbub, you know, the dragons show up, they have to go to Anglican and all it took was a meeting and the piece of paper. Yeah. Like, no, that'd be, <laughs> it, that'd it, be really, it would be a bad story. It, well, it would, in this particular story, it would be remarkable because we'd know it would be telling something else. It would be telling us something else. Right. But like yeah. in, a, in a less meta story, you'd be like, well, that was a completely pointless arc. Um, right. But yeah. yeah. Mark my words. Things won't settle down here until people start getting their asses kicked. <laughs> right. I don't think well, the DM I mean, is going to let them snosh their way out of problems. Uh, they've already kicked the living shit out of the black side people, at least. Oh, yeah. But yeah. But hooray for the narrative for keeping us entertained because it's doing a good job of that. Yay. Yeah, but yeah. Um, so Hyacinth, Hyacinth comes back. And she's like, "Yeah, okay, I I'll take all that as long as we sign it right now in plain language mm -hmm. uh, before either of us leave this room." And Amos is like, "Oh, why the change of heart? It's because we knew her crew done fucked up, and it's gonna be really bad for her as soon as Amaryllis leaves." Yeah, it's outstanding. Um, yeah. Just, I mean, I guess hats off to Hyacinth for being able to keep her composure under this. You know, mm -hmm. she could have been like, I have to go. Well, I guess if she left, then Emeralds would leave and notice something went wrong. So she has to settle this now. If she's going to get anything. But honestly, realizing all of that, well, it's like, what do you mean? Raven goddamn masters is storming about the palace right now. Like, okay, let me try and go in there and get a deal. And you guys mm -hmm. try not to let her in there. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. So do whatever you need to release a skin. If you have to skint, whatever it was. Yeah. That thing. I, We'll we'll talk about it, I guess, when it comes up, but I don't quite understand what they were thinking there, um, other than maybe they were desperate. Um, I mean, I think that's it. And they just they, had they one just, in their inner purse or something? I imagine so. And they're like, we can't fucking beat this bitch. She's too goddamn strong. She must be the Raven Masters. Maybe a skent will get her. And it didn't. Yeah. Well, anyway. Uh, yeah. We'll see so how that we, shakes uh, out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Onion comes in to also sign in on this because he's the head of the host, and we get the whole backstory on Onion here, uh, which culminates basically with, with him getting to the age of 55, giving given command of the host as the most senior member, and fortunately not um, cooing the palace at that point, which, uh, like, just everything they said about him, he was... I kind of admire him. Like, I mean, he's evil, obviously. Don't get me wrong. But, like, damn, he gets his shit done. It, it was kind of cool. He parried a car. Yes, he parried a car. You know, respect where it's due. The The mm -hmm. timing window on that parry is very small. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah he, he seems like a, a pretty badass guy. 
uh, Juniper's primary takeaway seemed to be that the man's name was Onion, which Mm -hmm. apparently was the height of comedy. (laughs) I I still don't understand. I mean, like, it's kind of a funny name, I guess. I don't quite understand June's take on this. It's a stupid name. (laughs) It's not that bad of a name. It's, It's not good. I mean... I mean, you're talking to someone whose name is Eniosh. Like, I don't... I'm sure onion. Why not onion? Onion's as good a name as any other. Because uh, it's not a bitter vegetable um, or whatever flavor onions are. But you know, Inyash is a fine name. It you know it, <laughs> it, it. If your name was again turnip or tomato or potato, you know, then then it's time to like okay, maybe his parents were fucking with him. Um, I I just don't think onion is that bad of a name. Like maybe if your name was retard or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but but onion it's just it's an onion that's fine yeah, it, it's silly but i'm glad i'm <laughs> glad uh june agrees with me anyway but i'm glad yeah. you know you're you're being nice and reasonable um <laughs> so uh oh this was a flashback to um i think so we jumped ahead a bit or we didn't all right, all right so here's what happens they sign they leave they get back to the hotel and they're like in battle mode right um mm-hmm. they know that shit went down and they have no other information. Um, yeah. So they, she thinks back to when they were testing, uh, like they're, they're working out some way to send signals via the soul link. Right. Um, mm-hmm. they haven't thought of like the, um, whatever I'll drain my left pinky if you know, we're okay or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. but he did do like, they tested pulses of like, let me give you some value tweaks just to like, that'll confirm that I'm alive or something. Right. Yeah. And this was just, twisted and awesome um one moment she was normal the next she was hyper focused on cranberry bay and the way she might be able to go there and protect it knowing knowing that it was juniper's remote manipulations uh but not actually caring about that um she had gone into what she had termed an adversarial spiral not much after after not much more than 30 seconds wanting to stop juniper juniper from changing her soul as a first step towards the eternal glory of Cranberry Bay. Thankfully, mm-hmm. he had virtually done very quickly and they'd agreed on shorter, less intense pulses. I just, it, it, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It, it shows the, um, the impact of this sort of thing really viscerally. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw her become a servant to Folliters, right? From her, from her point of view. But mm-hmm. this was like something fairly innocuous, Cranberry Bay, right? Mm-hmm. And she knows it was her friend right there who did it to her. And she's like, even knowing that I don't care. This is my whole life now. And yeah. uh, it's, it's intense. Um, yeah. And I need to stop him from undoing it because this is the most important thing. There, that's a fun little foreshadowing thing for the next chapter. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had to give Grack a cookie because uh, we had the same idea that he might have to call in Bethel. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I, I, I love it when I have a, the same ideas as characters. Uh, so high five to him. And then Amaryllis is watching the, uh, entryway to the hotel and there, but there were no sudden feelings that some other place was the most important place in the world. Neither was there a house forcing itself through the front doors of the (laughs) hotel. And their lives are so weird that these are two sentences that she just can think. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Luckily there's not a house forcing its way into this hotel. And I'm not suddenly obsessed with, uh, whatever comfort right yeah and they, <laughs> they make sense <laughs> their they, lives are uh, just unreasonable yeah 
So the, they do see Raven running in uh, right after that. Uh, they find out about the skint, which has the death doubling effect, which given that it could have killed fucking Hyacinth since she was in the mirror room, that they were really fucking desperate to try to stop Raven there. I mean, I guess um, they must otherwise be fearsome because I'm assuming Raven just killed this thing easy peasy, right? Uh, I mean, she was like bloody and limping when she walked in. Oh, right? that's right. Yeah. I guess not. I don't think peasy. it was easy peasy. Yeah, it was all right. So, but she. I'm assuming it's dead. Yeah, I I assume so too. Yeah. I think that they. I mean, maybe not, but I think she got away from it at least. Yeah, I I can't imagine that she wouldn't have thrown one of those orbs at it and just annihilated it. Plus her whatever time space or space time sword. Um, that well, she only gets three of those a day, I think, or a week. Yeah, yeah, three. Maybe she used all three of them in the initial at them attempting to kidnap fiasco. Possible, yeah. But so it at first I read this as like, oh, if you kill a skint, somebody dies. Um, no, but no. yeah, if it kills somebody, then just like some other random person dies if they're within 500 yeah. yards, which is a pretty big distance. And yeah. this is like, you know, you watch an action movie and you're like, oh, man, you know, remember like this, this was in the trailer. So it's not a it's not a spoiler for the Batman, but the chase scene with the penguin. Yeah, it was just awesome like crazy scene. epic. I fucking loved it. it. So everyone, good. everyone watches that and you know, they're like, Oh, that'd be awesome. No, I'd be one of the guys who gets, who gets my car flipped and killed in, in that chase. Right. <laughs> like I'm not that yeah. in that scene. Right. Yeah. Right. And so just with the skint in the castle, like it would kill somebody and I would just die from, you know, I'd be in another wing of the castle. I'd just be like an employee trying to earn a living and mm-hmm. I'm just collateral damage in some, in like the real adventures adventure. Um, I'd, I'm not sure if you noticed this, but the death doubling counts for any death. So, like, if a skint is just hibernating somewhere, uh, and within 500 yards there's, like, a village and some guy just dies of old age, then someone else in within 500 yards is going to die at the same time. Like, it just doubles any death that happens for any reason. Oh, yeah. It's not the skint has to kill the person. Yeah. Oh, man, that's fucked. Yeah. That's interesting. So, they whipped it out as maybe a disincentive to um raven so like all right imagine you're uh oh, zinnia and yeah. you you yeet your dress at raven masters knight of uther pendrag and you're like shit that's not going to stop her so you whip out this skent and throw that at her and mm-hmm. you see raven getting ready to throw a ball of doom at you and she's like oh wait if i hit you with this ball of doom it'll kill somebody else yeah okay might that's even kill me awesome yeah might kill me might kill june yeah mm-hmm. um Man, that's wild. Uh, yeah. I can see why the Empire worked hard to exterminate these things, and uh, big thumbs down to the people who kept them around. <laughs> right? This is like, oh, remember smallpox? Sure, th- sure, glad to have that, that in the lab. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking pendrags. I mean, you know, it, so- it's a good trick. Uh, it's, it's the kind of thing I could see June doing, but it's, you know, when the enemy does it, it's cheating and stupid. We don't like it, so exactly yeah when we do it it's technique that's right (laughs) so raven also tells him that yeah juniper was taken um all of them were taken except for her but she says his role is is not to be captured and then rescued by us it's to be captured and then escape his confinement on his own (laughs) (laughs) and i guess i can kind of see her point because this is they all know they're in a narrative and like it would make a really boring video game for you to get captured and then just have to sit in jail until some of your other party comes and busts you out. I, I I would not have fun doing that unless 
you had a perspective change to somebody else in your party, and then you play as them to do the rescue. Some games do do that. Um, they do, and specifically, we are currently reading someone else's perspective in the in the book. That's a good point. Yeah. I, I think. I mean, the other thing that could happen is like his narrative is he was knocked unconscious, and then his friends kicked the door in. You know, as he's waking up, like that does happen in video games once in a while. Yeah. So it it could have been that way, but what's funny. <laughs> I mean, she says, whenever this sort of thing happened with Uther, whichever knights were left behind just bunkered down or made themselves useful in whatever other ways they could. Uther was almost never rescued by us. <laughs> and got to point out that almost never doesn't mean never. And it's true. Amaryllis thinks about that and says, nah, fuck that. Hmm. And I, I love that attitude. Go fuck him up, princess. That's right. Yeah. Amaryllis ain't sitting down and taking the DM's bullshit. Yeah, no. I mean, just like hearing it, it's like yeah, that all sounds reasonable, but fuck it, fuck all that. No, I'm not going to just sit here. Yeah, what? Watch Netflix? No, forget it. We're going to go save them. That's uh, right, like a paladin would. That's right. Chapter one eighty six. Um, paladin. They are. Uh, oh yeah, they Back. they wanted to like this was just uh, all right. What's the setup? I think he had one of the guards run back and start bottling souls of the people that he had killed. Yes, um, we're back in the black site now. That's right. And he, the thinking was, this wasn't simply a matter of compassion or professional courtesy. Aside from the natal souls, new people in the hells were a rarity. Even if uh, there were sufficient levels of unification, it might be possible for them to interrogate anyone who fell within a certain criteria, and which a guard from an Anglican black site definitely did. Yes. And I had to pull that out because given the stuff in Val's chapter, we're no doubt gearing up for an altercation with the hells. Yes. And yeah, this is this is smart because they are in fact starting to interrogate people with security clearance. Yeah, and I just June's uh, what do you call it? His language choice in his head um, mm. is it's just it's always making me chuckle. Like okay, he, he could phrase other things other ways, but you know, for example, we stripped the guards of their weapons and shoved them into an empty cell. One of them had a lot of questions about food and water, which I didn't have good answers for. Um, like. Phrasing it as one of them had a lot of questions about food and water. That's like one of those making talking noises about thirsty and bathroom, but I was too busy for that shit. <laughs> um, like it's just funny. And yeah, you know, a quick trip topside confirmed that we were indeed in the middle of fucking nowhere. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. You know, the, the fucking in there adds the frustration and the humor to it. Yeah. And it makes it feel much more like someone, you know, telling you the story, right? Right. No, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, and there's a stable with dire guinea pigs in it. Fuck yeah. And I was like, yes, you guys definitely need to ride these back to town. And then they actually do. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know exactly how you know how big they are, how fast they go or whatever. But just now I, I know that they, I, they probably dumped them in whatever hamlet that they land in and then took other transportation. But uh, I really wanted him to kick the doors into the courtroom riding a guinea pig. And... <laughs> <laughs> nice you know i was gonna say have onion's head on a pike but onion's already in the courtroom so he, it would have to be somebody you know he could start chucking dead bodies at people uh yeah just although they they didn't let the guinea pigs free they put them into the bottle that's true they kept them as pets that's a good point yeah and they put wings on them as they lowered them into the bottle so now we have seen pigs fly in worth the candle oh my god that's amazing yeah so hell's gonna freeze over next Oh damn! Okay, great. Um, 
he so he's trying to wake up Zinnia, uh, I guess stilling her. Um, I forget exactly what he did to shut her down, but it hurt and might have damaged her brain. So he was worried that she couldn't talk and wasn't going to be able to uh, whatever help. Right. But mm-hmm. um, he so she 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 wakes up and looks around, then assumes a placid expression. He says, I have questions. No response. My first my first is where my stuff is. So where's my stuff? And first of all, that's a funny way of him putting it. And she doesn't even look at him. And so he rolls his eyes and I, I crack my knuckles. I'm like, okay, all right. We get to bust out the pain stick. Let's do this. Was, was that your actual knuckles? Yes. Holy crap. That was good. Perfect timing. Yeah. I hope it didn't come in too loud, but yeah, I was aiming for it. I, I think it came in just about perfect. Nice. And it sounded like knuckles cracking. And I was like, did Steven have like a knuckles cracking sound effect ready to go? Nope. Just the real God. deal. Damn. Okay. But he doesn't go for the pain stick. Um, they go straight for soul rape, which, you know, this, this raises a question, which we'll touch on as soon as I get over this, this funny bit. Um, Paladis says, all right, here's where I think you could maybe justify fucking her soul. Zinnia says, not legally. And <laughs> you, you, me, and June have the same reaction. Yeah, right. What, legally? We're in a government black site. What, do you think I give a goat shit about what's legal? You tried to fuck my soul. And mm-hmm. no, he was checking to make sure you were okay. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah you think yeah. this is about legality or whatever. You know, sure. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not about that. I don't, I, I, I don't care that I have the legal authority. I don't even care that I have the moral authority. But of course I do. You know, this is your last chance to answer questions the the easy way. Um, You know, I'm not even asking for like secret stuff. I just want my stuff back. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I was curious. I mean, so as I guess two jumping off points, I was curious when Harry would resort to torture. Um, Presumably he would try other tools first. And I was like, oh, wait, June has those too. Uh, He doesn't have to torture her. He can, you know, soul rape her, which then begs the question, which is which is worse well, I mean, according to the people of Arab, soul rape is definitely much worse. I think it's because um, it's more dangerous and sinister. Like, you can you can do more damage with it beyond the person you're hurting. I think that's why the, the government takes it such a big deal about it, right? I mean, it's basically in a flawless imperious that just kind of wears off over time. Like, one soul mage could probably literally take over the government if he was skilled enough and smart enough. Just by chaining his way to, you know, all the important people. Yeah, totally. So I totally get why why they take it seriously. I, but I think that's I think they're more worried about the threat of it, not just like the the moral badness of it. Um, yeah, because well, I mean, I, I mean, that- tr- oh, I was just going to say, torture is a lot. You know, is is similar in the way that it also changes your values, right? Um, you know, before the torture starts, your value is I must protect this information. And then as, yeah. as you're losing fingers, you know, your value of like, I want to keep the rest of my fingers goes way up and you're, you're go, at some point it passes the value of keep this stuff a secret. Right. I, I guess I think just, I don't know. I think the amount of how far people will go to prevent um, people falling into, into the hands of a soul mage was also a worrisome thing that they wanted to not have happen again. Like, Basically, they would go mutually assured destruction on anyone who's going to fall into the hands of a soul mage because then, you know, you lose you lose everything if, if you become soul fucked. So, like, they would damn their own soul, souls to hell rather than do it, which was fucking intense. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, yeah, that's a good point. It's more than just being tortured because, you know, you could 
you you might be well i guess they've got revision mages i was gonna say you might be able to just die before they uh um successfully get everything out of you right mm-hmm. if it was classic torture i don't know but i mean you're you're not like actively trying to help them and doing everything you can to make sure they succeed to the best of your ability right yeah yeah, yeah. i i think for me though because I, I stopped and thought about it for a while like the short answer is it depends on the severity of either the like the regular torture or the soul the soul fucking mm-hmm. um you know I, well, one thing i like about the soul fucking is i can be turned back afterwards right um i guess yeah. you could heal the damage because there's also magic healing but uh i don't know i it's uncomfortable yeah, yeah I, I mean my intuitions still feel like torture is much worse than soul fucking um probably because i was not raised on herb yeah and, you know also torture is a thing that could theoretically happen to me whereas soul fucking isn't yeah i think that's that must be weighing into my thinking about it too that's a good that's a good point um but you know it really brings home the visceralness and grossness of soul fucking hmm. uh this this parallel that you pointed out here that i kind of missed um, oh yeah so he to, to do this to her he says i pushed her from her knees down onto the ground and sat on top of her pinning her down while i breached into her soul she struggled a bit but she didn't scream for help and it was all over pretty quickly and this this description is uncomfortably similar to physical rape and i think that was entirely intentional because alexander wants us to feel as squicked out by this as as we properly should yeah I, I changed it to you in my response there, but my first note was, ow, fuck, you're right. Just because, like, that is a, a mentally painful realization. Um, mm-hmm. It's, uh, it, the thing is, he doesn't even have to do that. He could reach out and grab her arm. Isn't she chained or something? She's bound somehow. So um, she probably would have, like, tried to wriggle and maybe break his contact with her or something, you know? But he's a still mage. Like, uh, you know, he, he I guess he, maybe he'd be able to still and soul. I don't, I mean, maybe this was easier. I don't know. It just feels like you're right. I think that he did this. I mean, he didn't do this because he wanted it to, you know, uh, right, to mirror right. physical rape, but like Alexander had him do this for that. Right. Yeah. And yeah. it probably was easier. He's probably a little tapped out on his other magic and stuff too. So, um, but yeah. So yeah, he, he soul fucks her into compliance and then asks, uh, ask her questions. And she's like, eh, can't tell you. And she like really wants to, but she can't tell him. And, Finally, he he puts together the linear protocol that uh, Yaro mentioned earlier, and he's like, "All right, what's the penalty for not following linear? What is linear protocol? And what linear protocol is is doing the wrong thing anyway. That despite everything you want to do, you will continue to do the thing that is wrong and against your values, just because you've trained yourself to do it anyway, no matter what. And um, first of all, I." I well, I think like it's an amazing skill. Like he asks, what do you get out of following linear protocol? And Zinnia says, nothing. It wouldn't work if I was doing it for something. It's not about that. It's about doing for no reason, even when you feel what you, when you know that it's not going to get you what you want. Um, and then uh, later on, June says, it's not that you can't, it's that you won't because you tra- you're trained to operate against your own self-interest. And like, I think it, this is just the coolest fucking thing. Like, isn't this basically the opposite of executive dysfunction? This is like serious executive massive function on steroids where you can just do things even though they're bad for you because you've decided to. Like, almost like maybe it's a, a really severe compulsion, but, but 
good instead of bad. I don't know. It just, it just seems awesome. There's a lot of times in your life that you would want to do things that you don't actually want to do. And this sounds like the superpower ability just to do that anyway, because you've decided you're gonna. It, I don't know if it's um, transferable in that way. Um, it kind of could be. This kind of reminds me of a less wrong post uh, by one Mordinamail, um, hmm. uh, spamming micro intentions, where it's like, all right, I've got this this impulse, like I want to do ten push-ups, but I also really don't want to. But I'm going to hmm. ping in my head over and over the desire that I have to do it, and I'll eventually like that'll be enough to tip the scales, and I'll finally do the thing I actually want to do. I don't think it's like that. I think that this is just yeah. like you know pushing all your values aside and just following the script, which is saying yeah. no over and over. Right. Yeah. But I think, I think it's a very narrow script. Like, I don't think that she could use this to like improve her workout regimen or um, whatever. Right. Yeah. I think it's specifically, you know, just to not ever answer any questions once you've been soul fucked, yeah. just say nothing. You can't say anything, but, but Jesus, that's just, that's awesome. Like it, it's, if I know it's in my own self-interest to go pick up those $10,000 that are on the ground and I want to, and everybody will love me and it'll be great, but I just still don't do it anyway. I don't know, man. It's, it's it just seems like the coolest thing. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that squigged me out about how we got to this point was because when she, when he asks initially, like what's linear protocol, she says, I can't say. And mm-hmm. then he, he, it feels very Voluntary. He's just like, oh, it'd make me very happy if you replied. You know, if you don't answer, if I don't find out, then I, my options start to run out. I could get hurt. I could die. You know, so please, mm-hmm. you know, tell me what this is. And it, it was just, it was like, made me feel gross. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's what got through to her. So like, that's what actually broke her linear protocol, right? Yeah. She's like, yeah, I was. She eventually was like, okay, no harm in explaining this part to him, right? I yeah, I was really sad with how hard it failed once he knew what linear protocol is. Like she she told him what it was instead of just saying I can't again. So it sort of feels like all of this was for nothing. It feels like sh- kind of a shitty piece of crap defense, except I guess the only reason it didn't work was because he knew specifically to ask about linear protocol and I guess presumably people wouldn't know that such a thing exists and to ask about it. Yeah, if, it if, just failed so quickly. If um, what's his name, Yaro hadn't mentioned it, June would just be like, "The fuck is happening here?" Right? Yeah. What do you mean you can't turn to Paladin? Have you ever seen anything like this? And no, I thought that would work. You know. Mm-hmm. All right, did we try regular torture? Like, um, <laughs> I it, I don't know how you would do that, right? Um, yeah. Because you wouldn't know why it's not working. Yeah. So I wouldn't even know how to start testing ways around it. Um, mm-hmm. he gives her an opportunity to just start answering questions before he, he's like, all right, neat trick. You know, you want to just like stop before I have to invent some cool novel way to smash through it in 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, but she holds out. And so he goes in there and destroys all the soul modifications, uh, which I felt when I was reading that, I felt really bad, um, that, well, cause we, we, you know, she gets killed at, at the end of this, as we all know, uh, cause we have read that far ahead. And I just, I felt really bad that he destroyed the linear protocol and then that, like, she got killed and all that work was just ruined because you remember the Princess Bride where uh, Wesley defeats Inigo Montoya and Inigo thinks he's going to kill him and Wesley says, I'd rather smash a stained glass window than kill you because, like, 
all this effort and this talent on her part and effort on on the part of people shaping her into crafting something so unique and so valuable like this person and then it's just like gone in in a matter of seconds it felt like a tragic waste of just everything i mean in general i feel that way about deaths and um losses that way right mm-hmm. we've got to keep in mind that when she was alive and able to do what she wanted. She was the kind of person who shot little girls in the face. <laughs> okay. So well, there is that. So like, yes. yes, we lost all this, you know, this hard work that she, you know, put into becoming the kind of person who could unflinchingly shoot a little girl in the face. Um, mm-hmm. All that hard work is now, now, you know, m- moo as uh, um, Emerilis might say in court. Um, but like, I don't it, like, Yes, in some way it's a loss, but it, I don't know. It's it's like burning a book that only is full of like repeated racial slurs. Like, you know, yes, I'm against book burning, and yes, it is a loss of knowledge. Somebody worked hard to write all those down, but like, humanity is a better place for having not having this book in it. <laughs> like, um, I I guess just the fact I don't know. It's so such a cool, unique thing too that sounded like only a handful of people in the world had it. Ah, I wonder uh, how Folliter would have worked his way around it he probably wouldn't have been able to because i mean i think that's probably the point because unless you're a spirit mage you can't do anything about it yeah i mean i mean he's another guy that you know had lots had a life's work of you know stuff that was all lost when june cut his throat but you know i didn't feel nearly as bad about falter yeah i mean Hmm. he sucked maybe it's because he looked even more like voldemort but um like we never saw him shoot a little girl um but, you know, maybe it's also just in part because I'm picturing Zinnia as like a young female person and I've still got that cultural programming of their lives are more valuable. And when I pictured Follow Through, I did basically picture Voldemort, like down to yeah. the teeth and eyes and everything, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So it there's there's probably a bit of that, but yeah, I mean I I don't know. It's for me, I uh and we'll we'll talk about it a bit too at the end of the chapter, but like I don't have any trouble like i mean obviously morally this all sucks but like it's i'm okay with it um yeah you know given their other options which are basically nothing um mm-hmm. the other thing that i thought was interesting about this is and i i tried to think about it but i'm i'm not at this level of analysis yet apparently um i feel like you know the story introduced uh this Hey, look, some people can circumvent soul fucking mm-hmm. and he immediately gets around it. Mm-hmm. So like, I feel like there's something we should be reading from that, but I'm dumb. I, I don't, I don't know what the point was either, honestly, because he gets around it so quickly. It's doesn't feel like anything other than a curiosity. It could be that, I guess. Unless it like comes back later in the novel. In that case, you know, it's like a foreshadowing of something that's going to fuck him later. It could be a foreshadowing of like a, your powers won't always work as you want them to, or mm-hmm. like won't always solve your problem. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be another thing of like, it, it forced June to go through another hurdle to get her properly soul fucked. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Just to really prove that he's super evil. Well, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily say that, but kind of, <laughs> um, okay, yeah. you know, it like, at least to prove that, you know, it, it's like he had a chance to turn back, right? Mm-hmm. He could have yeah. said, oh, okay, that's not going to work. Let me set her back and then we'll try another way. 
but he's like, no, I'm going to really make this work. Even if I have to like go in and destroy more of her. Right. Yeah. Um, so it, maybe that's what it was, was he had to throw away a little bit more of his humanity to get it to push through. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, that, that might be it actually. That um, actually sounds like pretty, pretty close to what it probably is. Although we didn't see him like destroy much of his humanity. Maybe it'll come, come back in further as like aftershocks or just something that we personally are noticing that he just keeps throwing away little itty bitty bits more every time. And he doesn't notice that he's just give the ring a little bo- bit more each time, but we're seeing the aggregate effect. I mean, it, and it, I think it is fun to think about that though. Cause you're right. Like we're not, I don't think we've seen him have a moment of like, I can't believe, you know, uh, I had to cross this, this line. I said, I'd never cross. Right. Um, mm-hmm. He's just kind of been willing to do whatever it took the whole time. But this is the guy who, like, on day one was all, you know, shook from killing people who were trying to kill him, right? Yeah, yeah. And then just earlier this afternoon, he kills two guards because he crossed their path on when he was escaping, right? Right. Um, oh, he kind of had to kill those. He could. I think he, he even says he could have subdued them, right? Like, given, given how strong he is, he could have beaten them in a way that didn't involve actually killing them. Um, you know, he could have karate chopped them into unconsciousness, like, like in the movies. Um, (laughs) okay. But it's, he, he was mad and he, you know, these people work at Azkaban, like it's kind of okay. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, uh, we're, we're watching him slip and like, this isn't the kind of person that I think he would have imagined he would be. Um, and yet in other ways, he's a much better person. Like he's compassionate. He cares about his friends. Um, He's patient, you know, that sort of stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it is happening slowly, uh, like little, little steps at a time. It's interesting. He is getting like better about getting over his, um, his damage and helping and being close to like other people. But at the same time, he's growing more callous to people that aren't in his inner circle. And, you know, I guess until, at this point, he's only callous towards people who are actually like hostiles. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if he if he soul fucks somebody, cuts in front of him in line at the co- at the coffee shop, then we can you know start worrying about if he's becoming a moral monster, right? Yeah. At at this and point, I mean, though, on- he's he's only doing it to really really bad people. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, if if people trying to kill you becomes a regular occurrence in your life, it's going to be extremely maladaptive to not become callous towards shutting them down with lethal lethal force if you need to because like fuck them they're trying to kill you and this is a thing that keeps happening you can't keep feeling sorry for it or you're not going to be a functional human that's a really good point there's a good analog for that in uh um, scrubs the tv show handled this really well but my wife works in a hospice and Mm -hmm. you know when she's talking with coworkers or talking about co-work you know stuff at work often there's a lot of jokes and you know it it sounds like the kind of thing where you'd be like, uh, oh man, that's, that's calloused or whatever. But it's like, no, you don't understand. Like we need to keep this kind of distance so we can keep doing our jobs. Yeah. Like, uh, I think scrubs put it really well. He's pointing at like the surgeon he's like, he's in there telling them that the surgery isn't going to work and that this person's going to die. And then he's going to go back to work. You think anyone else in that room is going back to work today? Uh, right. Like that. So you're right. I, I guess it's, it was just, a sailing into my mind and i thought the comparison was not too it was good too far of a reach yay so she's soul fucked and she is now in compliance and zinnia tells them that we weren't supposed to kidnap you you were just supposed to be put to sleep and we would root around in your heads 
And that was that was just a big oh my god an oof moment. They they weren't even supposed to be here today, in the words of clerks. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because like on the one hand you, you want to feel bad for them because uh like the um what was it? Methods of rationality. Oh yeah, before the Christmas battle. And it was like three different people's perspectives, and Harry's was the awesome part was how quickly things spiraled out of control. Um mm-hmm. but for everyone else it was the horrifying part. Um, yes, you know, they, like the whole thing is like, no, we were supposed to just knock you out. And then I don't know what rude round in your heads entails. Um, from what I gathered from being a soul mage, it's kind of hard to go through people's memories, but, yeah. um, maybe that maybe, maybe they were going to soul fuck them too. Right. But, uh, we were only going like, to soul rape you just a little, um, yeah. you know, but, uh, <laughs> I assume something like just verifying that he really is the badass that killed, um, that killed Mumrath and isn't just making shit up kind of thing. I suppose, but you know, they they could go interview people in Leo and not, you know, have to commit felonies to do that. But, um, I don't know. It's for me, it's just funny. Cause like on the one hand I feel bad. Cause like, yeah, things just went kind of out of control for him, but what they're trying to do already, was terrible enough. And then as soon as things went, went South, they didn't hesitate to go fully, you know, dark Lord to, um, to get things as close to copacetic for them as they could. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, I don't know if I put this later in the notes or not. So this might not be the worst time to mention it, but like sure. they, that said, they suck. I hate them and I'm glad they're dead. But the, um, <laughs> the, what's interesting is that this is exactly the kind of level of um, like escalation and crisis management that I can imagine June doing if one of his friends got kidnapped. And we'd be, you know, a little wigged out by parts of it, but we'd we'd overall be in favor of it, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, it's just like because we're on June's side, we already agree with him, um, and I, I'm I'm willing to give him way more leniency than I am than I am them. You know, I do think though that the giant line in the sand is they did shoot a little girl in the face. They, uh, as we speak about in our peacemaker episode killing children is the ultimate line in the sand of whether you're a good guy or a bad guy that's a good point you know i don't think june would grab some kid and shoot her in the face because someone kidnapped crack right yeah like no absolutely not he might find some way to fake that right um mm-hmm. but i think it also start off with lighter torture i don't know it's just yeah they they th- things went out of control but they didn't seem to mind all that much <laughs> What do you what do you consider lighter torture? Because like cutting into someone's chest, I don't think is that extreme of torture at all. Thirty times. It's, it's basically well, okay. So it was thirty times might have been a lot. Sure. So yeah, I think but by it's, lighter, it's, I might have done one just to start. Okay. You know. Okay. Okay. I might I, I might have slapped right. him first. You know, like I I'm just saying she she went at least thirty times as hard as she needed to for phase one of torture. Um, Got it. Okay. Yeah. But. Uh, June has a a good thought here because like her whole vibe is like a more enthusiastic Bellatrix Black. Um, Mm. It's a, it's eerie. And June says it was all so simple and easy in a way that left me both pleased and a little aghast. It was seductive to have an enemy turn to your side so completely. And I could see where that power in the wrong hands could be horrifying enough that they would institute a worldwide ban and a deep taboo. Yeah. And I'm glad that the horror of this isn't lost on him. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it makes you wonder, you know, like apparently 
when he was talking to masters, he had said that like, no, I would soul fuck somebody if I needed to, you know, mm-hmm. which apparently Uther never did. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if he maybe did that once and was so horrified by it that he didn't do it again. But now that I think about it and the more that I try to imagine everything we've seen of Uther so far, including, you know, what we see in this chapter, I think maybe he was just cosplaying the paladin role, you know? Yeah. He and, wasn't really. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. Cause he was a bit of an asshole for a paladin. Right. But maybe at that point he's getting a little burnt out, but, yeah. uh, this could just be like, Nope, I'm, I'm a good guy. Good guys. Don't do that. And that's, that's all the motivation he need, he needed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's, uh, I'm glad that at least, at least June's noticing how fucked up this is. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, he, he really doesn't want to kill her. They're talking about like, well, what do we do with her now? Like, are we going to just keep her a prisoner forever? And Paladin says like, yeah, I guess so. If you can't let her free, if you're not going to kill her, then she's your prisoner for life. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, I spent some time thinking about this and what I eventually came up with was like, you know, they give up the moral worth when they tortured and killed people. And I keep saying they as if Yarrow did it too, but I think he was going to soul rape June. So I'm going to go ahead and lump him in with his sister. Um, yeah. But honestly, I think living as June's loyal soul and spirit fucked minions seems like a fitting fate for them. Um, mm-hmm. And then I figured once, but then of course, Amaryllis is too pra- pragmatic for that. I figured that once they learned everything they could, she'd pragmatically shoot them in the head. Um, <laughs> so I figured it was going to be Amaryllis once they got them back to, uh, back to base, but Palada just goes ahead and beats her to the punch. Um, yeah. which is, which is so, awesome. Do, do you think like ev- everybody who goes against June far enough deserves to be soul raped? So he just has kind of like a legion of soul raped kind of soul zombies following him. Mm. You get that soul raped gold mage now and soul raped falter and, you know, just, just all, all the soul raping. Well, I don't think that their crime is just that they, you know, crossed June, right? Uh, right. Yeah, I know. There was, yeah. there was more to it than just that. But like, would you be comfortable with him having a, an army of people who were evil, but now are his soul raped minions because that's a fitting end for someone that evil? <sighs> now you're making me feel bad about it. Um, which is good. <laughs> that's kind of what I was trying yeah. to do. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I mean, I hate these two so, so much and so specifically, right? Um, mm. In a way that, like, I don't particularly hate Amon, right? The guy sucked. He was evil. Um, I hate Amon a lot more than I hate Zinnia. That's so weird. I mean, maybe because all of his torture was off screen, but, um, you know. You know what I think it is? Shit. I think there's something wrong with me because his torture was of Amaryllis, who, again, is an attractive female. And, and he is, you know, an older male. And, uh, I, I, I just think it's that old prejudice coming up in me again, that like, you know, if, if young women are just more inherently important and worthwhile. And shooting solace in the face, isn't like shooting a little human girl in the face. Cause she looks like a frog person. Well, no, because we know solace isn't actually dead. Well, that too. Uh, but they didn't, you know? Yeah, that's well. Okay, yeah. Zinnia thought she was killing her. Yeah, Um, I don't know. It's, uh, but I do have to point out that I at at this point when uh, she had said, "So what? We're supposed to keep her prisoner forever?" That was when I was like, "Oh yeah, Amarillo's can just kill them. Like that is the sensible thing to do." Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I if uh, yeah, I mean, just imagine how 
much good they could do with Amon bent to their will, right? And I know that this is the, you know, uh, it's not bobsledding. What's that really? Uh, luge? Ice luge? <laughs> yes. I know that this, yeah. this is the luge path down the mountain of of uh, Dark Lordism. But yes. if you navigate that knife's edge and you actually only do it to really, really bad people and you make them do it's tons of luge. good after. like It's a luge to light lordism? Kinda. Okay. Like, don't get me wrong. You might have to give up being a good person to do it, right? Um, but kind of like you give up being, I don't know, I guess Uther, if he's doing the paladin, he killed lots of people and they probably all deserved it, right? But So uh, what if what if you had a, um, a DM-granted magic penis and you could literally rape people into being a good person? You would just have to, you uh, know, rape them several times over the course of a few months. God damn it. Uh... Me or June? I mean, Either one. Yeah. Let's go with June at this point so you don't have to you know, imagine you doing it. There's something, would, would, should June have to do that? There's something grosser about that. I know that there, it shouldn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I have a, I think, very understandable and appropriate like reaction to that particular... Ver- like, if that's what it took to soul rape somebody, mm-hmm. I think I'd feel even worse about it. Um, mm-hmm. Even though what he's doing is the same, right? Um, yeah. It's... Uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> All right, but no. it's it's an interesting thought. Like you know, well, he's I mean, he's already doing this to them. What's the point of you know anything else? And um, then you can talk yourself into anything, right? Like right. Then you know, as long as they're being your loyal minion, they might also find you really attractive. And then it's you know, it's not a bad thing to sleep with people who find you really attractive and are good people and are helping you on this mission. Well, and it's like, where do you draw the line? Because they're not good people, right? They're not even people anymore. They're they're automata with, you know, something like a brain. But I like I don't know. I think they would still be people, just extremely value fucked people. Yeah, I I mean, I guess I was just thinking like, okay, so I've got you know Amin, I've got Zinnia and her brother, and I've got um, Falater, right? And it's like, well, man, it's been a long, you know. So like, where do you draw the line after you after you're done? after a good day of doing lots of good in the world and you're, you know, do you, do you ask uh, Zinnia to rub your shoulders? Oh, I said Palada instead of Zinnia. Um, so, you know, you've got your, your minion army, you know, Hey, can yeah. you rub my shoulders? They're tight. You know, like that's probably okay. You know? Yeah, sure. I'm your loyal subject, but you know, if you ask the other one to, yeah. you know, get on their knees and service you, then like suddenly that you've crossed a line. I think that that is a line cross. And that probably just is my, modest midwestern upbringing speaking in so i think at this point i am forced to abandon that whole project and just say that uh i i I mean i guess uh then the question was because at this point i think what put me on the like all right do we keep them around forever or do we kill them which do you think is worse um you know she at this point is an entity that really really wants to help june more than anything she's ever wanted ever yeah Uh, you know do we keep her that way and just let her do that? Or do we kill her because, A, the PR nightmare? But let's actually rule out the PR nightmare. Like, which is actually worse, right? So I guess if if June didn't have soul magic, if that was not an option, um, and they just had this evil person that shoots kids, uh, and a very hard time figuring out what to do with her, would just executing her be a um, reasonable solution? It's weird, because, like, you can do this all the time, and 
video games or books or whatever, where, or movies where I'm not going to kill you. I'll just leave you tied up and, you know, let fate have its way with you. Right. Right. But it's like, you mean I'm going to dehydrate laying here on the ground? Like, yeah. You know, you are killing it's me. Be you a just, bunch you're worse not, death. Yeah. You're not going to do it yourself. Yeah. Please just put a bullet in my head if, cause I'd rather do that than dehydrate to death over three days as I yeah. get myself. Yeah. I, uh, I, yeah. At that point, I suppose, you know, if there's really the no rehabilitation is them. that, yeah, the other option is that, you know, he leaves them tied up to die, but then someone comes and rescues them. And then these very powerful enemies are still after him. Yeah. Which is the risk you take when you, you know, don't put them out of their misery. Right. Yeah. Um, I, like, do you want to have to fight them again and maybe not get as lucky the second time? Yeah. I think that between that and, uh, Again, no option of rehabilitation just because they're too, you know, evil. Then, yeah, I suppose you have to. I, you know, I guess if you have if you have the option to lock them away somewhere forever, right? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is that better? They don't want to be locked away, and just like, so you, just because you don't want to kill them. Hmm. Remember Metropolitan Man, where uh, Superman <laughs> digs the huge hole for the dude and oh, is man. like, "You're just gonna eat beans for the rest of your life, for however many decades it is, in the bottom of this hole." I, I don't think that's a better fate than death. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's a really good point. This is a good moral night, moral nightmare. I I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, I guess to ground it back in this, like the smart thing to do is to kill these people. Um, they're they're in a they're in a bind, right? Yeah, it sucks that they're here. Um, this is a pretty like specifically contrived situation, right? There aren't a lot of soul mages around, and yet we found one. And it's the and of course they try to soul mage at June first and get mm-hmm. fucked up and. Um, now he's here and he has to, you know, get his stuff back, uh, you know, first and foremost, but then also like, where the hell are we? What's going on? And, um, like all of this kind of just like lined up to get here and it's like, all right, now that we're here, what do we have to do? And yeah. Pallet is absolutely right that, um, like, uh, w- <laughs> that th- it's not a little problem. This is a huge problem. June has like, no, no, he, he says, you know, if, or if soul fucking somebody is wrong, well then unsoul fucking them has to be less wrong, right? So that, I'll, yeah, I'll that do is... that, and you know I'll deal with like whatever political fallout later. And she's like, it's not just like waving your hands at like a little political fallout. This is actually mm-hmm. a giant fucking problem, and no one's going to just let you say, well, like no, look, I put him back after. Um, yeah. So it's uh, so she says, uh, or no, he's talking to Zanaya, and he says, um, I'm done talking with you. Bye. Um, I hope that when you're, uh, back to normal, you'll realize that I wasn't a total dick about this. Um, which is a funny way of putting it, but, uh, he looks over at Paladin and says, I appreciate that you're right about the consequences and that you know more about, or then you, you know more than I do about what's considered okay, but I'm doing this my way. And she says, well, it's fucking stupid. And he says, mm-hmm. be that as it may. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that he probably is making a mistake by not wanting to take the, you know, the grisly and uncomfortable decision of killing her. Yeah. But I'm glad he's sticking with his convictions. Um, okay. You know, it don't get me wrong. He crossed a huge line, but like, I don't know what other options he really had here. These people did kind of give up their, um, you know, as Harry might've put it, their deontological right of human value. Um, and then he's like, you know, I'm going to do just as much evil as I have to, and not one drop more. And I'm going to undo all the evil I can. Like, yeah. So, and then Paladin points out that, like, you know, in, in our political environment, this is like 
if you were a senator that had been caught having a mini concentration camp in his backyard. Right. Where, where you would just, just round up Jews and gas them to death and then burn them afterwards. And, you know, that, that's kind of a big deal, dude. Nazis. That was funny. <laughs> that, that was that was pretty good. You know, the blind guys. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, they, yeah, they suck. I get what you're talking about. But... You know, it's like, yeah, if I did a Nazi thing a little and then undid it and it's like, okay, yeah, I, I see the PR nightmare there. Okay. Yeah. But still, um, he, he's still trying to follow the, you know, I'm not going to kill somebody who's not trying to kill me rule. Right. Yeah. And then you have a note here that, uh, pal, uh, junior making a giant fucking mistake by not killing her unrelated. Can you leave us unattended for a couple minutes and go grab something <laughs> from another room? <laughs> so I take it. You saw this coming. I did. Uh, well, I mean, I saw it back when I was thinking that Amarillo's could shoot her in the head, right? Uh, but yeah, the second yeah. that that is like, "Look, uh, can you go grab this? Whatever, grab the map." You know, mm-hmm. there's no reason we couldn't go grab that together here in a second because why would we split up? But you want to go inside and leave and grab it. The thing is, and then June has this awesome flashback that we'll get on. But June knows what she's doing too. I yeah. think. Um, Wait, when she asked him to go grab the map, you think you think that he knew? I think in the back of his mind, he knew. Well, the back of the mind doesn't count for shit. Like, did he know or did he not know? Uh, I mean, I want to say it's like... Did he suspect even? I think he suspected. Uh, But I I, want to say back of the mind counts, like, because you're right. What does that even mean? But, like, maybe it didn't quite hit conscious attention, but, like, it hit the edge of it. And he's like, oh, nope, not going to think about that. I'm going to just go get the map. But, Hmm. like, the second he said, I'm not going to think about it, he knows what it is. He can't think about it. So I think he went to whatever level right below that. Um, because if he acknowledged in his head, I know exactly what she's doing. I'm sure glad that she gave me an excuse to leave so she can do the dirty work for me. Then he's not being a light Lord. Right. Um, I, I assume I, I mean, this is probably just me being too naive and trusting again, but I thought that he was genuinely surprised when he came back and she was, you know, dead and sorry was written with her blood. I think the, the thing that I guess it's not clear to me, like when, you know, like when we get a flashback scene, is that mm-hmm. June having that thought right then? No, I think those are all inserted by author June um, after the fact. I mean, some, to relate of, them some back of them to something like, but so many of them are so apropos for the moment, you know? Well, that's why I think that they were inserted by June afterwards, where he was like, allow me to take a quick digression to relate this back to something that happened on Kansas a lot. Hmm. Okay. Is, that's how I read it anyway. I, I, I realize there's nothing in the text to, that justifies my thinking. No, that, but I think that makes sense. And like that, that would be kind of impossible to differentiate from like my interpretation, which is like he stops to think about that for a second. Or it doesn't necessarily even stop to think about it. But like, I don't know, if this was a movie, it would cut away to that scene, right? Yeah, yeah. And it would be like a, you know, like when he first hears about Uther, which I was reading again last night. And Amaryllis introduces herself. And gives her last name. And then he's like, the lost king. What was his name? And then she says oh. Uther. And then he has the flashback to Arthur naming his character Uther. Um, okay. but So, the, yeah, that was definitely like a sparked memory kind of thing. Yeah. So, some of them I think are sparked memories. And so, I figured if he's walking off, thinking about the time this happened at the D&D table. <laughs> right. Then I'm like, there's then, no way he doesn't know culpable. what she's up to. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Uh, Real quick, before we jump into uh, the flashback, 
Uh, I wanted to grab the skint thing, which was really awesome. Uh, that uh, apparently snakes count as um, mortal beings. It's mostly just the, the mortal races plus snakes for some reason. And um, for, for this, the skint's effects. And he's like, huh, I, I bet someone probably went ahead and or, or was should go ahead and try to like make a snake bomb where you drop a skint in an area and like just a 500 snakes with it and start killing all those snakes to really up all the people that are going to die nearby. And uh, Zinnia says, yeah, the area denial research project was shut down because it's deadly enough by itself. <laughs> and I was like, of course they had already thought of that fucking pen drags. I mean, oh, so I was thinking like, I was wondering how this more fuck pen drag view will, but it's because they're the ones who probably did the research. Yeah. Or at least like the Lost King's Court. I don't know if Onion is a pen drag, right? Um, I believe they all are. Oh, yeah, I guess it is a prolific family. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. And it's been 500 years. Yeah. Well, then, yeah. It. I mean, on the one hand, this is science. You know, we might want to know what it can do. <laughs> I, at some point, they somehow figured out that it kills snakes and nothing else. Well, and humans. Um, yeah, yeah. Which seems weird. Um, reminder, That's taking weird. care of a snake is a big responsibility. Um, it, that was great. Maybe maybe Harry Potter existed in this universe and used parcel time to talk <laughs> to a snake once, and all of them just became also counted as sapient beings because of that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, it it seems like. Oh, I see. Okay, I I think I just realized the implication of the snake bomb. Um, so you've got a skint. It's hanging out in the town square, but not bothering anybody for whatever reason, right? Mm-hmm. Next to it, you've got a a giant burlap sack with a grenade in it. And then he pulled the pin on that grenade and it just kills all those snakes. Right. Yeah. And, then and then people all over town start dying. Yes. Okay. That is awesome and terrible. And I didn't see that implication of that, even having read that two or three times. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and horrifying. And ex- okay. There we go. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it's terrible. Uh, yeah. And you know, the research that led up to that understanding is pretty fucked up. Um, mm-hmm. But like yeah, the idea is like no. It turns out yeah, we tried that. It, it was it wasn't worth the trouble. They're already you know it, if like a skint was just like a like a cue ball, yeah, you know then like this would be a cool plan. Um, mm-hmm. But it turns out that it's not just a thing that if you die in proximity to it, someone else dies. It also ha- is strong enough to hurt Raven, and and sounds like it's highly motivated to just hurt people all the time. Right. So it 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 doesn't merely have the death doubling effect. It just runs around killing things very, very efficiently. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck are these things? <laughs> <laughs> I, I always picture them as death claws from uh, Fallout. Oh, that's perfect. I was picturing something kind of like smaller. I don't know why Skint made me kind of think of like a shrew. Um, but Maybe because it's close to Skink and the Skinks are very small lizards. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm going to go with something. I, for some reason, I'm picturing it on four legs. But I guess death claws run on four legs. So... I'm going to go with a smaller death claw because she had it in her purse. I know the purse well, is one of those things that it can hold more than the size of the purse, but yeah. I, I don't know how she'd reach in and pull out a 600 pound death claw. Um, <laughs> so I also don't know to be fair, but you know, it's magic. Magic is bullshit. It's magic. Fuck you. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so we have this flashback to Kansas and it's basically just, everything that we've said now and that is about to happen. So I don't think we got to get into the details, but uh, Arthur at one point, he's playing a paladin. He says, I'm a paladin. I follow a code of rules, which I abide by even when they're stupid and inconvenient. 
And when he said that, I suddenly realized that like linear protocol maybe could be a metaphor for that. Uh, and thus for morality in general as well, that, uh, that there, there's something you follow even when it's stupid and inconvenient. And like, maybe that's one of the reasons I like linear protocol so much. Cause it was kind of like an analog for morality and for Paladin code and stuff. I, I thought that was neat. I like that. I like that you did more thinking with linear protocol than I did. I thought of it as just like a, in the event that I I'm being interrogated, my only thing I'm going to do is follow the script of saying, no, can't answer that. No, no. Right. Uh, yeah. but you know, like it, it, cause it's not motivated by like a sense of duty or something. It's not, I'm going to do this even when I really want to, well, it kind of is. I'm going to do this when I really want to do this. Yeah. But it's like when, when I'm confronted with the opportunity to kill somebody that I hate for great profit, I'm still not going to take that opportunity. I'm going to say, just, I'm going to follow the script. Um, yeah. Yeah. The script of not killing people. Yeah. I like that. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't give it that much, uh, brain time, I guess, when I was going through it. I, I really like the connection. It's, it's kind of a lot like Hermione's implementation of deontological ethics, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, no, that would be bad. Um, Mm-hmm. And, exactly. and and frankly, that's good. You know, it, there are worse ways to have a, a code of ethics. Um, yeah. And I just liked, uh, you know, maybe we can make a morality more popular if we start calling it linear protocol instead. You know, we already renamed death to uh, ex- ex- existence failure, right? <laughs> right. So, yes. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I'm sorry. I have a linear protocol of not taking money that's easily takeable if it isn't mine. <laughs> perfect <laughs> it just rolls <laughs> off the tongue uh, <laughs> but yeah. i liked uh i like this with arthur again the quote was i'm a paladin i follow a code of rules w- which i abide by even when they're stupid and inconvenient and mm-hmm. i just i think that's our arthur you know following yeah. the code of batman's easy when it's convenient the point of principles is that you stick to them when it's hard to um, exactly yeah yeah oh, great. and then at the very end uh yeah uh, who was it? Tom? Craig? Uh, Craig or Tom. So like, Raymer's like, no, fuck it, we're killing this guy. No, I, I refuse to let you. And, alright, well, can yeah. you help me go over here and get water? <laughs> like, <laughs> I roll to disbelieve, and he rolls low. He's like, alright, let's go get water. And, um, yeah, one of them and stays behind him. and kills the guy. Yeah, and Arthur says, out of character at the very end of once it's all over, he's like, oh, good. Out of character, I didn't really want to be lugging around a prisoner. And, um, I I don't know. I, I co- combined with what's coming up with uh with Paladin later, I'm not sure if uh I'm not sure how much Arthur actually was a real Paladin deep inside, but also I guess you know he had like 40 years on air to change and things. So I I don't think we can really guess at this point. Yeah, we'll have to see. Um but I I liked your your note here that you you'd been you, just so everyone knows, it says, I had started burning through chapters like crazy at this point. And I'm like, at this point, Inyash, you started burning burning chapters like crazy, what, 15 chapters in? <laughs> well, okay, yes. But I mean, I was still stopping long enough to like, you know, take various notes on interesting things. And at this point, I was just like, nope, just reading, reading. I'm sure I'll be able to remember just reading. <laughs> oh, okay, I see. So like, now I don't remember uh, if I if I called it or not that a uh, Palda was going to do this before it happened. This is one of the fun things of having to read it at this glacial pace. Cause like I totally saw it coming from a mile away, but it's really easy to see things coming from that far away when you're crawling at two miles an hour. Yeah. So, you know, it, I, I, I probably had from when the idea was first pitched to when he gets back from this cutscene, 
mm. I don't know, at least half an hour. Uh, so, you know, plenty of time to sit there and, and do stuff and maybe even more, you know, I'd have to look at my time on the notes, but you know, frequently I'll stop for hours or a day or whatever. Right. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, he, he comes back. Sorry is written in her blood. Um, yeah. I wasn't. So I, I, I read that. And I'm like, I'm not sure if Palada like was actually trying to say sorry, by and just writing it in blood because that was what was convenient and, and nearby, or if that's like a joke that she she was making, like ah, ha, ha, sorry, written in her blood, and like the fact that I'm not sure it's a joke also kind of reminds me that Palda is sort of like a you know thirty thousand year old eldritch being kind of thing rather than a typical human. Yeah, she's an unkillable, uh, you know, monster kind of not monster, but yeah. I'm trying to think of what else is typically unkillable. Um, what kind of like, monster? You, she hijacks whatever fetus she happens to be nearest when she gets killed. That's our running guess, you know? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Eldritch being is a good way to put it. Um, do you, th- do you think she was actually sorry? And do you think she was joking? Cause I know those are two different questions. No, I think she's actually sorry and not joking. I think that she didn't have a pen or a pencil. Uh, okay. and you know, I guess wanted to communicate somehow. You're right. She could have just waited until June inevitably caught up with her. Mm-hmm. And said, like, you know, sorry, but I had to do this. And you obviously know that I had to do this. So, yeah, taking the time to sit there and, like, you know, she's cut her head off. And what? She, like, you know, dips her hand in it and writes sorry. And I've never written sorry in blood before, but I imagine you have to keep going back for dips, <laughs> you know? I would think so. So, yeah. it probably took a, a few seconds. Um, I, why not both? I think she's actually sorry. And she's like, this will be kind of funny. Okay. Even I though this is a that. real serious situation, you know, since mm-hmm. she is kind of, like, uh, has a Fen sense of humor. I could, I could hundred percent with Fen. It would be both, right? I don't think Fen would make the joke. Oh, I totally. I think, I, she I think would. this is a step beyond what Fen would do. Really? I like. If, I think if Fen that Fen could have done this, but she wouldn't have like made a joke about it. I well, I guess she she would have written sorry though, right? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. I, I don't, the thing is, if Fen wrote sorry, then I would not think it was a joke. I'd think like, oh yeah, she was actually sorry and she's doing her Fen thing by writing it out. But with Palada, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't have enough of, um, Palada. My, my, my model of her isn't as solid as some of the other characters. And so I don't have, I, I can't be sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, June catches up to her and he's really mad. And Palada says, yeah, I know. June goes, fuck you. And she's like, I said I was sorry. <laughs> I just thought that was an extremely cool exchange because it's exactly what I expected would have would happen. And it was great. It was great. Uh, he, he he just shows up and she just says, yeah, I know. Uh, and I mean, the, the funny thing, too, is what she's doing is she's using a trident to try and get a marble out of Yaro's ear. And or no, wasn't she like crushing his skull against the ground or something? Uh, oh, yeah, because the trident didn't work, you know, wasn't the kind of tool you used. You're right. So she was doing something gross. Right. Um, yeah. but I just, I just tried to imagine her like initially trying to use the trident, like, like a fork, but obviously it's too big. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's funny. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, so he walks in, she, I know, I know. And she's like, just covered in blood laying down, you know, smashing this, this decapitated head against the ground. And mm. I said, I'm sorry, look, can we fight? Like, about this later or do you want to do it now and he says later is fine and which is also a really kind of cool you know thing right he's like yeah this isn't time sensitive it's already done you know Mm -hmm. we can fight later about it um Mm -hmm. so again the the, i guess that is a amaryllis level of pragmatism that maybe he's picking up 
But that's part of why I think that he suspected that she was going to be doing this because, you know, you don't ordinarily walk in on some unimaginable, unforgivable, horrifying thing and say, yeah, we can talk about it later. Huh? You know, I mean, I, I would maybe agree with you if it wasn't for the fact that they strongly suspect there is a fire team coming down on them might be coming down now. Like they have time pressure. They, they may want to just stay friends and allies for now and like break up about it later after they're not in danger anymore. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think if anything, it's very weak evidence. Um, but yeah, it's not compelling at all. Now that, now that I think about it, you make a good point. Yeah. So we get some interesting information here about Uther, uh, where Palda says the thing that pissed me off then, and that's pissing me off right now, I was given orders that would require killing people, sometimes innocent, sometimes not. And then when I killed people in order to do the thing I had been sent to do, I would get scolded just enough so that Uther could put up this paper thin pretense. Um, and then Juniper says, okay, um, this does simplify things. I'm angry that you took the initiative, but I'm glad they're dead so that I can pretend I'm a great guy. Uh, <laughs> are you happy now? Um, and she says, actually, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, I know. Right. She, he skips straight to the end of it. It's, it's awesome. It's so obviously like he can't, ever let this happen again because then he's completely complicit in it and it's not saving his saving giving him a fig leaf at all it's like when he uh threw the guy that he sold rape to uniquities Unic- Unic- yeah i believe it's Unic- yeah like he knew they were going to kill him so he, he might as well just have it, it's the same as any mafia boss giving an order to kill someone like sure he didn't pull the trigger but he knew the guy was going to his execution um and i guess I guess what I'm really going after, though, is like Uther, a giant dickbag for playing the part of a paladin, but then sending her out as an assassin. Because like maybe if he just kind of did it to keep up pretenses with the public and being like, oh, I, my thief did it. I'm this is I would not have approved of that. But like then he scolds her afterwards. And that kind of like, what is he even doing? Is he trying to keep up pretenses in front of the DM or something? It, it it feels like a Republican voting to make gays illegal while he's balls deep in a rent boy, you know? <laughs> like what are you even trying to do here? <laughs> I I I loved that analogy. Um I I'll never find it easy to speak ill of Uther. Um like I I wonder if like by the you know, the time he's a little more um jaded by Arab, if you know, she comes in, he's at his desk reading, you know, from a stack of papers. And she's like, I got the MacGuffin. And he's like, you know, you know, killing people is wrong, right? And she says, yep, great. Set it down. You can leave. Like, I wonder if it got to that level. Um, mm. Like just, and it is just completely pure pretense. Um, yeah. But, you know, I was, I, was, I read again too the, um, the message he left for June in the mirror. And mm. it really sounds like he eventually came around to the idea that like these people weren't people. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm anchored on that interpretation because that was my kind of first read on it, but like, if, I mean, I think you're right based on the mirror message that it, he really got to that point. Yeah. Oh, all these stupid NPCs and their little problems. And, um, yeah. I was taken in by it at first, but none of it really matters anyway. And like, that's, that's how he just ends it. And, uh, you know, if that's the case and like, just, you realize that when you don't play the game, you know, you get hurt. Um, mm-hmm. So he's like, okay, I'm, if I'm going to play the game, I'll, I'm obviously going to play a paladin. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not yelling at anybody. I'm, you know, 
giving my NPC companion in a game a thumbs down for having killed people, you know, even though yeah. they went to go do the thing I told them to do. Um, yeah. Like if you, if you don't think the people that you're dealing with are people, you know, it just also brings home like the, the loneliness, um, mm-hmm. you know, it honestly gives me a lot of sympathy that if he did go and he is fell seed, um, given his premise that no one here is sentient, that's not a bad way to kill 500 years, you know? I I suppose. A city of I a thousand guess. brides? I mean, if I was stuck yeah. there and I, and I like, say if I knew for a certainty that no one else was actually alive, like they were all just, you know, pea zombies, I'd be like, mm-hmm. all right, fuck it. You know, harem orgy, let's do this. You know? Yeah. Bring me all the MDMA no, I, and bring me all the women. <laughs> like... <laughs> No, I, I I actually agree. It just it sounds like that whatever city of a thousand brides might be a lot worse than than just you know constant MDMA orgy. Yeah, I suspect you're right. That doesn't sound like the scariest thing ever on air, but everyone talks about it like it is. So yeah. if it was just a really good sex party. I think it would. I mean, <laughs> there might be people like, all right, well, I'm going off to the Felseed exclusion zone because I'm getting old and I'm going to die soon, and I'd like to die in an orgy. Not a bad way to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, Speaking of ways to go, oh the, god, this is awesome! <laughs> all the bodies that uh, they have collected in this in this place, uh, they just kind of dump them into the do- the the bottle, and they say the piled up next to what would eventually be a mass grave in the domain of the locusts. And I just thought, you know, it's cool. They, war crimes in a bottle, very <laughs> druidy. Cool guys. First of all, great segue of ways to go. Um, cool. And second, yeah, it. I mean, I know they don't have sable. You know, take time to burn them all or something, right? And that's not exactly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can bring her a vision mage or something, right? Um, mm-hmm. But they just dropped him in the bottle. Solace is unconscious, I think. Like, they, they what if that hit the deer? <laughs> I... I I literally had not taken the time to picture just two dozen bodies falling from a mile up and splattering across the forest. You're going pretty fast. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I, for some reason I thought they were like, you know, grab them by the armful and go down gently and stack them in a pile. But no, you're right. If they're just shoving them in the bottle, it's going to be raining corpses. Yeah, I uh, we don't get to see yet. Uh, Amar- or uh, uh, Solace's reaction to just you know next time she goes to go visit the locust just comes back out with an angry expression like the fuck is this it is a bloodbath in there <laughs> 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 um, mm-hmm. and uh, if loyalty could go down I think the lo- the the <laughs> locust would have gotten uh, or June would have lost a point right yeah so for every for every chunk of dead human that lands on the locust he loses another point i mean it's 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 like aggressive litter you know <laughs> yes I mean, if he if he if they were like just dumping their mcdonald's you know bags into the bottle i could also see that annoying the locust no. I mean, oh maybe this is like free food for the locust or something i was think i was actually on that track of thought i was like well maybe you'll eat them <laughs> no wait deer eat grass well wait this isn't a real deer it probably eats yeah. rocks and shit too right so right. um yeah Maybe maybe the locust thinks they're treats. <laughs> uh, well, um, oh then dear. the chapter ends with, with them exchanging some coded messages with Onion and then writing back to civilization. And it was, you know, it was interesting. I, I thought it was good reading, but I don't really have much to say. So I'm just glossing over all that unless you want to say anything about it. <sighs> you know, I, I agree with you. And yet 
the fact that you want to run by it makes me wonder if there's significant stuff that you you're oh. just want to avoid. No, we can dig into it if you want. I just no, you capitulated too I, easy. There's nothing significant. Great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, really, what it is is like they get this. He gets this annoying message from Onion, and I can't like I, I get basically what it's saying, mm-hmm. but if it's limited to however many characters they can use or words or whatever it is, like um, he uses the word reply and focus a lot, mm-hmm. and it makes me think that there there's some reason. Like that, that he's using that, but I can't break the code, so fuck it. Um, it seemed basically just that, like, they were cutting out all the all the words in a sentence, aside from like the very most key ones. I don't think it was a very, um, very good code. Reply location status here. Clear Raven compl- complication. Reply interrogation. Focus crimes. Focus capabilities. Teleport transcript. All of them are two pairs of words. Reply location. Oh. Reply location. Status here. Clear Raven. Okay, no, sorry. That one must have been three. So reply location, meaning reply with which black site you're at. Right. Status here, clear. Uh, everything is fine on this end. Raven complication. Was there was a complication with Raven. Right. Reply interrogation. Tell us what the results of your interrogation are. Yeah. Focus crimes. Focus capabilities. Teleport the transcript back to me. That makes sense. Yeah. Interrogate them. Get all the list of crimes so I have ammunition to get against Amaryllis. Focus on what they can do because we kind of need to know that shit, and then send me the the long message. Um, yeah, there we go. I guess the the site is called Caron. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. The the guy who transports people over the river. That's the one. Uh, sticks. Yeah, yeah. In uh, Greek mythology. Yes. Um, okay. So fair enough. That was that. Uh, the yeah they uh, they ride off into the sunset ab- ab- uh, atop their their guinea pig mounts. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> which I'm a huge fan of. Oh, and at the end, um, and I guess the way that June gets a ping back, like a response from the soul pulse mm-hmm. is, I guess Amaryllis would have to enter the soul trance and ping one of his values too. Okay. I'm, I'm assuming that's I how think, it works. I I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to go with that because I can't think of how else like they'd be able to, how you'd get, how you'd know if it was a response or not. But the the only thing to mention here at the end is that, it's at the end of the night, it looks like. Or at least, oh yeah, no, I was going to say here, but it doesn't matter where here is. The time zones are the same everywhere. So it's yeah. like dusk. So I should have realized that during the court thing the next day that it wasn't dusk yet. I was thinking that like during the court scene, she was going to be like, I need to go to Cranberry Bay, right? Oh, okay. Or like, yeah. I would kill everyone in this room for a Mountain Dew right now. Um, mm-hmm. But no, it was it was in the, in the evening. Uh, but what was in the evening? Bad segue Pen- to Pendrag's Rules of Order, chapter 187. Hell yeah. I really enjoyed this chapter. Oh, good. Then I... Because, uh, yeah, I was reading through your notes, and you seemed to, like, not be enjoying it for a bit, but then you kind of started getting into it at the end. The second June's name came up out of Onion's mouth, I'm like, oh, okay, now I'm, I'm into it. I'll, hmm. I'll summarize my position real quick. Um, so they're going to go... They're going to go to court um, because Amaryllis bailed on her... Uh, punishment for her money laundering right uh or no not not even money laundering her mismanagement of funds right like all of this is such bullshit that like i, I think we're supposed to be annoyed by these unreasonable jerks and that's like mm-hmm. that's the point so i get that um but like the second these people went full voldemort instead of just like lucius malfoy i became less interested in like the competition of wits and more interested in watching them get their asses kicked but I realized that this is a room full of very powerful people and that some 
competition of wits will be on the, you know, there will be steps on the path to the ass kicking that will inevitably follow, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, they they represent the in, basically the entire military might of the the Anglican country because they are the military court, right? Yeah. Amaryllis has the thought that, like, if a bomb went off in this room, like, this would just decimate the, the lost king's court. Uh, and she says, and the world would be a much better place for it. Right. Yeah. Which was just, wow. Damn. Very Harry James Potter Evans Ferris of her. Um, mm-hmm. If only we could, you know, just line them all up and cut their heads off. Um, I I really enjoyed the chapter because, I don't know, I, I really enjoy, like, courtroom drama kind of shows and um, and and fiction. I, I like seeing the the... Uh, cross-examination of the witnesses and the people falling into verbal traps and then you know the surprise reveal or whatever like i i think that's super fun so i was all in for it and i i don't want to like sell it as like i i didn't enjoy it it's just like i enjoyed it less than watching june kick ass but this is a different kind of ass kicking and it it works out like a lot of fun at the end i think what it was it's like i also didn't buy the stakes like there's no way i think i put it at 0.02 percent that Amaryllis gets written out of the story because she has to go serve two years at the host, right? So, like, sure, I, I don't believe also, that's going to happen. But there's also no way, almost no way, except for, you know, maybe if we have a, a hell arc or something, that June is ever going to lose a fight. But you still find it interesting to see some of these fights, right? I, uh, you're absolutely right. Um, <laughs> I, I hadn't thought of that. And you're right. You know, we're not, you're right. He's not going to lose. You know, he's, he's going to be lined up in a room full of 20 people pointing void rifles at him and uh, with one leg and he's going to win. <laughs> um, and somehow, you're yeah, right. All right. That, that is interesting. I think, I don't know. The, the other thing that, again, I not didn't dislike the chapter. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not just saying mm-hmm. that because I'm, I'm nice. I'm, I'm saying that because it's true. But uh, it, it it's like, like half these people make me think of Dolores Umbridge. And, yeah. you know, except like if. Imagine if Dolores Umbridge was like really, really powerful. Mm. Like that doesn't make her actually any more likable or like make her any more of a like fun character. You still just hate her, right? Yeah. There was a great moment of like, tell us when you first became aware of Larkspur's death. Well, I first read about it four months later. You didn't answer the question. Tell us when you first became aware of it. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. I didn't become aware of it until I read about it four months later. And I had to do a double take on that. Like, what the fuck? Oh, they're, they're nitpicking her like word choice. They're just like, they're, it's like, it's like being on the phone with like a very hostile customer service person. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So like, they're just the worst. And, and I get it. You got to play these games. Cause she, she can't walk through and punch all these people. Cause they actually are too strong for that. And it, I guess it just bums me out that Raven, I don't know. Raven and Amaryllis together can't beat all these people up. And even if they could, that poses a political problem. So like, I get it. They got to do the politics stuff. Uh, yeah. But I, I want people to get their comeuppance and them being shamed in court won't be enough. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, uh, I think it's it, true, but it ends on a note that like, Oh good. You know, they might, it might not even end with them getting an ass kicking, right? They could just be, oh, it, you know, tried for high crimes and it'll be yeah. easy peasy. Cause they've got this druid and, undeniable testimony or something right um, it ended on such a great note yeah. but we should wait till we get to the end we we have to so okay th- that's where i was at with these chapters they were fun um i i last thing because i pulled out the first note here that that annoyed me about the lost king's court these fucking pricks uh <laughs> rose mallow was like well can you prove that they struck first and 
Amaryllis is, well, Raven was a witness in a fair world. Her testimony would be unimpeachable. Um, and it just, that just shows me how fucked the system has come over the last 500 years. You know, a knight of the square table isn't a complete fucking legend with, as Amaryllis put it so well, unimpeachable integrity. I mean, people can change over 500 years. How many times have we seen people that we idolized and thought were amazing, like end up doing something really stupid at some point? Mm, I think that these people are in a different realm of awesomeness, right? Uh, uh, people are always people. Everyone's going to disappoint you at some at some point because, you know, no one's perfect and also no one's exactly like you and they'll have different opinions. And I, I, I mean, you might be unimpeachable as an authority on one specific thing. Like you might be unimpeachable about your knowledge of physics or your knowledge of this weird law system or whatever, but I don't think that makes you just completely unimpeachable about everything forever. And you could still have an ulterior motive. Like Raven literally lies to the court. We we see her do it. So that unimpeachable awesomeness doesn't honestly mean jack shit because Fuck. She, she lied. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess what I want is for them to, you know, uh, uncritically accept what she says because she's, Raven Masters, even when she's <laughs> lying to them. <laughs> which, which, you're they right. Did not I, fall for that trick. Yep. I mean, yeah. it, it sure would be nice. It's kind of like, you know, like Albus Dumbledore, you know, hmm. crazy badass man of legend. And it's like, well, he says that they, they struck first. Oh, sure. But he could be lying. And it's like, I suppose mm-hmm. he could be sure, but he's Albus Dumbledore, right? Mm-hmm. That's not really yeah. his thing. And mm-hmm. I just figure like they'd, they'd have to be bad people to assume that Raven would lie, but then she does. And so you're right. I don't know. I don't know what to do here. <laughs> <laughs> I accept your apology. Yeah, I, I do apologize. <laughs> no, no, it's a joke. No, no, you're I, not actually supposed to apologize. The, I, I, so, I, uh, I concede defeat. Okay. While Amaryllis is speaking with Rose Mallow, she does say Juniper knows everything. Uh, and then she thinks to herself with one glaring exception, but she doesn't tell that to Rose Mallow. And she doesn't tell us as the reader what the one glaring exception is. And I'm really curious as to what it is. And my only guess so far is love. I think that that's a really good guess. I was obviously super curious too. And she says that one thing was interpersonal rather than being relevant in an information security context, which is exactly the language she would, she would use to couch like, you know, I like, like him. Right. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then he doesn't know it yet. Right. So, but yeah, uh, the, the problem that Rosemallow sees is that it kind of looks like they're trying to set up Juniper as the return of Uther. And the reason that the court has any power is because Uther is absent. And if he were to come back, uh, technically he would be the king. So no one's going to like that. And is kind of a big deal if it's true. It's really like this. This is the kind of thing if I was more politically savvy would have been obvious. But mm. I, it took me as like a, oh, damn, kind of moment that this is the lost king's court, right? Yeah. The second the king's back, everyone here just becomes muggles again. I mean, they're princes yeah. and princesses or whatever, but he's the fucking king. Right. And so, yeah, they no one here except for the good people would be happy to see Uther walk, walk through the doors, right? Yeah, well, uh, but then, you know, Amaryllis points out in her thoughts to herself that uh, it doesn't matter. The court's not going to roll over just because Uther showed up. <laughs> They're going to put up a fight and be like, old man, you, your time was over 500 years ago. We're still in charge. 
yeah, get real. The the court he would make the court roll over. He's Uther <laughs> Pendrag. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, probably he he would punch him into submission or something. Parry this onion, and <laughs> right. I mean he would just smash him with an apocalypse hammer or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. I think then, I don't know how many of them he'd have to kill before they they were like, okay, we're sorry, you're right, but he he would just walk through the room until they apologized. Probably, yeah. But also, you know, Rose Mallow points out that the threat isn't even necessarily any legal stuff because you know, he, he might just punch through them or he could be through the public that, you know, the people are kind of getting upset with the nobles being fucking nobles. I'm glad that they're, you know, as as pissed off at these people as I am. And uh, Uther could just be like, huh, these guys really suck, right? My people? Uh, I'm Luther. I'm back. Let's let's get this shit uncorrupted and uh, you know just just pull a uh, populist revolt kind of thing. Not a bad plan. So, yeah. yeah, I it's it's uh I think this beat is hit again later with like the public sway, and that's why I, why I took my actual notes. So I'll save it for later. But um, okay, you know it is winning me over on this politics stuff. Like it, you're right. Like watching every problem. Like this is I don't know. It's I think it's just like um. Uh, you know, you with puns or me with the word relationships and stories, <laughs> like uh, for some reason, politics sounds boring, but like, mm-hmm. you know, remember how awesome and tense and, you know, s- like sweaty your hands were during the altercation with Lucius in the Wizengamot? Yeah. Like was awesome. th- there was no fighting. It was, it yeah. was just, it was stressful, uh, cunning. Uh, there's a word for it that I'm not thinking of, but um subterfuge yeah whatever political maneuvering yeah maneuvering you know intellectual combat right um Mm -hmm. and it was epic and so i just need to remember like that's what these things look like it's not uh as Rambo puts it politics blah 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 right um Mm -hmm. it's like no it's it's like the crazy awesome shit of like aha but now you know watch me pull out this trump card and like sure that sounds boring or whatever but it's not it's fucking awesome so yeah, uh, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, as long as it's done well, which uh, I think is done very well by uh, by Alexander. No, I think you're right. I like I said, I think I'm just allergic to the word, and I need to just get over it. Um, there's there's a beat where uh, I can't remember that comes up of like, well, June's not very loyal to Anglican, and oh, well, even though he grew up here, well, he didn't. He's dream skewered, and Rosemal is like, oh, I'm a little familiar with the phenomena. You're you're familiar that some people think Uther might've been dream skewered too. Right. And yeah. she's like, yeah, I know. Um, so I think that especially in context of what you said earlier, I think what's probably happening is Rose Mallow's getting of the mind of like, okay, they are, you know, checking a lot of boxes for the return of Uther Pendrag here. Um, mm-hmm. it, it seems like, I, th- I think that's what she's thinking, but, uh, I don't know. I really need to figure out whose side she's on. I feel like she's on her own side, um, which is a drag. Because if she was on our side, then she'd be, you know, a safe uh, confidant. But yeah, it seems like she knows too much. Um, <laughs> and we're gonna have to soul fuck her or kill her. I wish I didn't have to come to that. There's got to be other ways to solve problems. Oh, thank God, there are. We can <laughs> we can use Slytherin cunning and politics to, you know, coerce people, right? Yeah, to align their interests with our interests. Yeah, and in fact that. You can do it in a non-evil way. You're right. But when you put it that way, sure, it sounds kind of evil. But uh, you can point out, like, look, we actually have things in common that we both want. You know, like when Harry uh, 
I keep going back to the other example with Harry and Lucius, but um, there he's arguing like, give me my money back and we can unite against the person who tried to frame and kill your son. Um, mm-hmm. Like we, we actually do have common interests yeah. and whatever Rose Mallow wants, I don't know what she actually wants. Right. But as far as I can tell, she just wants power. I think she's just in the game for the game's sake at this point. Uh, well, I, like, mean, I don't know if she has a population that she wants to protect or a future that she wants to get to. She's just playing to win just for the sake of winning. Numbers go up. Um, exactly. Yeah. Well, then in that case, it would be, I think, fairly easy to win her over, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Juniper's got the biggest numbers to hand out. Yeah. Jo- you know, throw your lot in with us completely and you can come live in our magic house when she's back from her uh, her retreat. And mm-hmm. you can you can be you know, right in the room when, when we take over the world, save the world, optimize the world. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Yes. Um, she says something about like public opinion and that's like the real power. And mm-hmm. I, my thought to, to Rose Mallow was like, yeah, it sounds like someone's just jealous. Uh, you know, mere muggles need to play politics and get public support. God, people can smash apocalypse demons in the dick with a hammer from beyond space and time and then get support that way. You know? That honestly sounds like a solid plan. Like June could have like attended a bunch of meetings and done some community service or whatever in Leo, or Mm -hmm. he could kill Momrath and in a very public way, go about stomping out a bunch of uh, like smaller demons that it spat out. And people are like, Oh my God, you're awesome. Thanks. (laughs) Like that seems just like a more, that seems a way to expedite your way to getting public opinion. Right. It's it's almost like the Parsmont thing where, you know, you do awesome things and people get more admiring of you and throw you their support. Yeah. Except in a less literal way. That that was such a cool concept. Yeah. Uh, All right. So we, we have this weird beat here where Amaryllis, she's thinking to herself, Amaryllis would have believed that um uh that that uh juniper is basically you know the guy to save the world emeralds would have believed that even if juniper hadn't spoken to the one true god may his dice fall fair mm-hmm. and like she's she's not saying this to rosemary or anyone she's just thinking this herself so unless this is like a joke which it really does not feel like a joke to me i think she's seriously creating like her own personal religion around the dm and it's kind of creepy and weird i i i have your same reading that she's in her own private thoughts you know forming a, a deity subject relationship with the dm right um mm-hmm. it is there's this creepy weird aspect to it because he's a guy in a hoodie and sneakers but like i, I i'm I don't actually super sympathetic to it, it. Oh, I, I mean I, I know that's not the real thing but like it i, I picture it right uh you know if yeah. she got to talk with it no, but would like, she actually what, supplicate herself what, you know, go ahead. Yeah, that's the creepy weird part to me. Like th- regardless of what he looks like, even if he does look like, you know, a, a huge white dude with flowing beard and, and white hair, like he's still the, the point, the point that she seems to be wanting to worship him is what's really creepy. Like Amaryllis don't, don't worship anybody. Worshiping things is bad. I, I, I agree with you. I think, well, I mean, I do, but I, I, I just think, I think I get where she's coming from. Um, like I'm not on board with it, but I think I get it. Like as far as she knows, he's the literal creator of the universe and can do literally anything. And as far as we know too, for that matter. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I don't feel like I should, I don't feel any, you know, well, I guess I'm not in the story. Right. But, um, right. like, well, and I'm not sure if he created this place or if he's just running it, but, um, 
It, the, the, sure. I, guess, I, I guess the thing is, is like, uh, she more than anyone else in the group has been thinking about like what their lives mean. Mm-hmm. And I think that she's come to terms with the fact that yes, we are the playthings of this capricious jerk. Um, mm-hmm. but I still care about the people in my, you know, uh, about the people of my planet. And I want to use my life in a productive way. And like, just, I don't know how I would live in a way where like, I, I couldn't hold those two things in my head at the same time. Right. Yeah. And so I think her way of kind of like coping with that is like, okay, you know, I, I, I'm finding this falling apart, but I can almost see where she, like, I can almost get to where she is. Right. Uh, I mean, I can, I can, yeah, I can understand everything except for the part where she's like worshiping the dude. Like she's right about everything. He is the one true God. He did create the universe uh, that she lives in and has what appears to be absolutely unlimited power within it to do anything he wants to, including changing the past retroactively. (laughs) But like, I I still wouldn't worship that. And I would really hope she wouldn't worship that because worshiping things is bad. Yeah, I guess I just, I wouldn't know what I would do. I'd have to either throw myself into just nihilism where nothing mattered or try to, you know, accept that this is part of the grand plan and then trust the planner, you know, like when June said, you know, June tells her like, you know, you're the, the epitome of anything I could consider beautiful. And then she, of course, must put together like, oh, okay. Uh, the DM made me his wet dream. Um, I'm, I'm that, that's why I look the way I do, not just because, you know, I'm not pretty, it's not good genes, it's just for Juniper. Like, it, I think it's, uh, you know, how do you live with the fact that you know that, like, you're a side character in a story? I I think that you either become nihilistic or, um, you know, find another weird way to cope. You know, it almost feels like religion fic, where, like, this, the chapters written from her point of view, at any rate, are are what a true monotheist would look like in a world that they actually knew God existed. I, I guess like the, the weird part is like, she's one of two, three people in, in her universe that know that God exists and, and how powerful he is. But I just, I would, I don't know. I, I guess like when she says, may his dice fall fair, technically, I guess that's not like a, a impeaching, not impeaching, um, beseeching, beseeching. Thank you. It's not beseeching him to, to, to only roll fair dice, it, it may just be like a, a hope. Like, yep, in this universe with this god, really hope his dice fall fair. I guess it's just that the way that she says one true god with all the words capitalized, I feel much more of a worshipy vibe from that. And I don't think it's her just saying, you know, I, I, I hope he's not cheating. That said, though, once you once you pointed that out, you're right. The, the one true god capitalized re- really gives a religion vibe. But... This could be like, you know, I hope the deck isn't stacked against me, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's like, uh, sure. I because mean, that would be the thing too. You're 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 trying to live your life, and you know that like God Himself is fucking with stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like I really hope this isn't one of those times. Um, yeah, it, it could be that benign. But then she had that prayer earlier, and you know, yeah. it, she's. She's just on the she's on the dark path to accepting Jesus Christ into her heart, and uh, like literally, may- maybe she becomes the, an evil fanatic that June's gonna have to fight later or something. I hope that a you know 
especially if like June tries to turn against the one true God, and then she's like, "No, I must defend him." Fortunately, I I mean that that would be interesting, and sh- I think she'd have to go a long way before I worried about that though. Uh, yeah, I think that in her heart of hearts, she hates this dick bag who made hell, and she would love to have June in charge, right? Yeah, uh, that's true. But yeah, maybe if she thought that June would lose the fight. You know, she might be like, DM, I was on your side the whole time. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, he would know. Um, you know, he's reading everyone's thoughts all the time. Yeah. yeah. isn't it, This is also the second beat with the religious stuff. She she uttered a prayer when they were approaching the city before, you know. Um, mm-hmm. we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on it. We will have to see. All righty. Um, the... So Amaryllis is holding out hope that June's going to come in and rescue them or, or come in in the middle of a trial, like show up at a key point or something. And Rose Malice says he's gone. The only way he and the others will be returned to you is if Onion decides it's so. If you could somehow find which site he's at and break in to rescue him, you would be putting yourself in a far worse position than the one you're in right now. And, you know, that rubbed me the wrong way when she said that. I, this is exactly the sort of thinking that leads you to throw your Padawan out of an airplane. Like, Amaryllis, I think, is right that Rose Mallow is way too much about the game and seeing everybody as pawns and power um, values that you exchange rather than just being like, this is my fucking friend and I'm going to break in there and rescue him, even if it does put me in a far worse political position, because fuck you. He's my friend and he needs rescuing. I'm not going to leave him there to be tortured. I, I agree with you 100%, but I wonder if it's only because I don't like Rose Mallow because she's already shown herself to be like, coldly calculating and really all about the game mm-hmm. but change a few words here and there and this is basically what dumbledore says when harry asks him like let's go break azkaban mm. and i don't i don't think so maybe because she's just like saying it'll put you in a worse position whereas dumbledore saying it'll actually make the world worse and hurt a lot more people no he, he, I, I don't think that was dumbledore like it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt anybody it would it would actually make the world a better place he was saying it would destroy the government and we'd have to fight, you know, the Ministry of Magic and everything, right? Um, I think Dumbledore's position is that would end up with a lot more um, casualties and general mis- misery than the status quo. Well, there wouldn't be Dementors. I mean, sure, there wouldn't be Dementors, but I, I guess he thinks the fallout of those actions would be even worse than they're not being Dementors. Like, you know, you, you could maybe um, tell Russia to get the fuck out of Ukraine and, and attack them. But the fallout for that is potentially World War Three, so maybe, uh, maybe don't do that because that would be even worse. Mm. Yeah, but we're talking with you know overpowered magic stuff. But I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I think I read it that Dumbledore just didn't want to break the government for you know to stop this one huge evil thing. But yeah, I mean Rose Mallow. I think uh, June. I think Amaryllis puts it really well um, when she says. Uh, Oh no! Wait, that was a little later when they like ended this meeting. Um, was it really that far down? Um, maybe I didn't put it in these notes. Um, when she's like, "All right, well, at least put together a contingency plan for you know him showing up, having killed a bunch of people on his way here." And yeah. I think she says that a couple of times. Once earlier, and then once later when there's some more like Uther parallels, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Okay, yeah, I will. Uh, I'll be sure to do that." <laughs> yeah. Um, Rosemal is telling her they're going to push for a trial and soon, especially while you're off your balance. It doesn't hurt that a trial can help to distract from the significant errors they made at College Witch. Be prepared for it to get vicious. And Amaryllis says, I always am. <laughs> Which, nice. yeah, she's badass. 
that's my secret. I'm always angry. Right. I, I And I get like now that the timeline, because now I understand uh, exactly when the pulse worked. And, you know, I don't know how far away he is, probably still a long ways. But um, I wouldn't it just be cool if like, like right when they pass the vote to like not wait for June to keep the trial going. Like the doors just burst open and he comes in, you know, rears back on the two back feet of his guinea pig mount. And uh, I don't know, with Zinnia's head on a pike, um, it would have just been awesome. It would have been really cool. Yeah. But not today. Maybe tomorrow. Yeah. So I want to get to the trial, but real, I guess I'll pull out. Uh, Amaryllis is reading through her own published diary. Uh, and uh, there's two things I guess I want to point pull out. The first being that uh, Amaryllis said that there were some grown-worthy essays where a younger her had just discovered that systemic problems sometimes arose from the natural incentives people followed, and she wanted to grab her younger self and scream, everybody already knows this. And I think that's really not fair, because everyone has to learn it at some point. And, like, maybe now we think that everything in the sequences is common sense, but there was a time where we didn't, right? And there's a ton of people still in that position that got to learn it. Like, whenever you go in a place where there's lots of really enthusiastic... <laughs> young people that are into socialism, which I only say because that was me in high school, like it's, it's not necessarily their fault. They just don't know about uh, all this other stuff that eventually changes your view. I agree. She's too hard on your younger self. Hmm. I mean, we don't know what age she wrote this at, but like it, it was probably overly insightful for a 13 year old or something. Right. Yeah. But now that she's like actually 22 or whatever, she's mm-hmm. like, Oh God, I was so dumb. <laughs> right. Like, no, you weren't. You were great. Yeah, for a 13-year-old, you were very smart. For a 22-year-old, sure, maybe you were dumb, but you weren't 22 then. Exactly. Yeah, so also she finds that Rose Mallow had made some redactions, like some really private stuff, like about menstruation and masturbation and stuff. And Anne Marilla says she finds that understandable but annoying because it was the kind of thing that helped to sell the diaries as being intimate, which would make them more effective, even if they were embarrassing, especially because they were embarrassing. And I just think that Amaryllis knows what she's doing far better than Rose Mallow does here. Like, I I, I guess Rose just disagrees with her on the matter and thinks that this would paint her in a less sympathetic light rather than a more sympathetic light. But uh, yeah, I think Amaryllis is just right, outright, and and Rose Mallow is wrong. Like, she she had a very good idea by doing that, and Rose Mallow done fucked it up a bit. No, I think you're spot on. I mean, you know, maybe Rose Mallow wanted to be like, this isn't a paint her up like more like a figure rather than a person, you know? Um, mm. But especially because probably when she was doing it, she thought that uh, Amaryllis was dead. Oh, that too. Yeah. So having a hero would probably be more important than having a relatable person. Yeah. that That's a good point. So, but it, it does seem that like Amaryllis knew what she was doing when she wrote that down, you know? Mm. It's just like, yes, talking about periods is obviously something that people, you know, won't be stoked on. But it's relatable and it was actually on my mind. And, you know, the fact that it was honest and embarrassing counts, you know, mm-hmm. or you know, the embarrassing one was like what you called it, like a, an attempt at masturbation or something. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I agree. So, yeah, the trial is going to be, as Amarilla says, fundamentally not about legality. It would be about loyalties, alliances and perceptions of gain and loss, which is just the worst fucking kind of trial. But on the plus side, only the fucking pen drags have to worry about this sort of shit, uh, since I guess legalities actually matter for the plebs, who don't have all these alliances and power balances to trade around with. So, at least if you or me got pulled into court, whether what we did was legal or illegal would actually matter. Yeah, and, you know, 
Amarilla says that she'd done her fair share of reading about the Earth legal system and wished that Uther had managed to import more of the stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, say what you want about America and our legal system shortcomings, but there are a lot of dope features that are so ingrained that people just take them completely for granted. Yeah. Um, you know, speedy trial, um, a, a randomly selected jury of your peers, so, semi-randomly, but like we can't stack the jury with like my friends if I'm suing you, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. These all are like, well, you know, I think people are like, can in one breath say like, well, the American legal system is awful. And well, of course you get a fair, ju- you know, well, an attempt at a fair jury. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like, yeah. And you, you're not allowed to hold somebody in prison for 20 years while you decide what it is they did wrong. Like, yeah. you know, so uh, I, I don't know. I, I agree. I just wanted to point out that uh, Amaryllis is, I think on the right track. And uh I also agree with you that, yeah, fuck the, like, this is about who has more friends, right? Like the Wizengamot votes. Yeah. It's like, no, let's just look at the laws. And it's like, there is no laws about this. This is about, you know, other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this was something that just got pointed out in the text, which I guess I should have known from the beginning, but I, like, we didn't know this when we first met Amaryllis and, as it slowly came out later throughout the text, it came out in such small dribs and drabs that I never fully updated until this was put in front of me so starkly here. It says the last time that she'd been in front of a council answering for wrongdoing, it hadn't gone well for her. And this trial was obviously calling forth some of the trauma of realizing that no one was going to save her, that she was going to have everything stripped from her before being sent to an exclusion zone where she'd assumed she would die. And, like, I think that suddenly casts everything in the book in a slightly different light because, like, we didn't know this, but just before page one, she was massively betrayed and her entire world was shattered. And she was just put in this, like, you don't have any friends, any allies, no one's going to save you. Like, it it would have had been radically just altering and shattering. And, and the Amaryllis we're seeing is, like, a whole new person from who she was before and... I'm assuming a lot more wounded and closed off than, you know, the Amaryllis of page negative one. You remember like how she kind of came off as like maybe a bit abrasive and uh, rude when we first met her. Yep. And I didn't like her. And now looking back and it's like, I can, this was the day after she got thrown out of a fucking airplane for like a crime that really shouldn't have been a crime. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of, like it's I, totally understandable. Yeah. It's awesome. It, I, I'm really glad that, because you're right, like we could have put this all together, uh, but this is a very natural way for the the story to like remind us of this, right? Mm-hmm. And it, you're, yeah, you, I couldn't have put it better myself the way you put it. Like it just it gives us a whole new lens for characterizing her. Um, yeah, this is why she's so independent. You know, maybe she was like that a bit before because you know she was an orphan kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, kind of thing. She, both of her parents were killed um, <laughs> yeah. in possibly assassinations, probably assassinations. Um, yeah. So like there's some, there's some of that, but you know, maybe like, she trusted Rose really? Mallow and, you know, yeah. watched her not show up to the vote or something. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and thought that, you know, maybe some sort of justice would prevail in the court. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's awesome. And well, I mean, uh, it's a bummer, but it's awesome. Yes. Characterization. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so the trial is starting and she's just thinking at the beginning of this, that like, if they sentence her to another trial by adversity, she would be very much inclined to kill them all and be done with it. 
which is a big fuck yeah from me. Yeah, that's the spirit. Yeah. Screw these mature thoughts. Get the big guns and have some fun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the first thing she tries to say is like, well, since I never reached the border, I never uh, <laughs> technically ended my trial by adversity. And Onion does this thing. He says, Madam Chairman, I move that Amaryllis' suggestion that her trial by adversity has not yet ended be quashed under the obvious chicanery rule. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a fucking awesome rule, and I'm sure Arthur always thought of it as the Raymer rule in his own head. Yeah, I, I mean, it was it was a hilarious gambit by Amaryllis. I don't, I mean, she, there was no way it was going to work, but it was just like a kind of like I guess gauge the sentiment of the room kind of of thing. But mm-hmm. um, I agree, and there's no reason it couldn't be called the Raymer rule. Um, yeah. I, I'm guessing the only reason it wasn't is because Arthur didn't like reminders of Earth. Um, and probably also no one would have known who Raymer was if he called it that. No, but, you know, Uther made up words all the time. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Including, you know, her her main defense, right? Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, just Raymering is prohibited in this courtroom, I can imagine somebody yelling <laughs> while slamming their gavel. Yeah. Yeah. Obvious shaking. That, that was awesome. That's <laughs> <laughs> just like, the, like this whole, it was like the nice way of saying, like, this is such bullshit, obviously, right? <laughs> right. Okay, yeah. yeah. We can all agree? Great. <laughs> cool <laughs> does take him like 20 minutes to agree but at least they do all agree yeah this shit takes all day so she claims mew and uh i, I was one like trying to piece together exactly what mew is throughout this but it sounded at first like it's it's the claim that there was no crime at all so there's nothing to plead to and like i like the fact that as we were saying the american justice system there's a lot to like about it and one of them is that basically if there's a trial there's almost always a crime that actually happened and it's uh extremely rare such a thing would ever come up in the real world but uh i guess if you know you're really rare and uthery then this might come up a lot if you're the center of the narrative world so i i can i can see why it existed in his universe yeah i i think uh mu is um Japanese for nothingness. Uh-huh. And so and that kind of fits with what she's saying here. Um, yeah. You know, her defense is like, well, how do you, how do you answer? It's like uh, nothing that, you know, I, I, you're, you're asking me to defend myself against something that, that doesn't, that isn't a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm glad that doesn't happen or very rarely happens in American courts. And uh, this, this noble court feels much more like a cancellation where, you know, they can decide to cancel you for something that never even happened, which happens, you know, a fair bit. And, uh, and there is no mu um, plea in, in cancellation court. <laughs> right. I mean, there, you can plea all you want, but no one's listening. Um, yeah. You know, and that's, that's another sane thing of the American system is that you can't uh, be arrested and then convicted of a crime that wasn't a crime yet, right? Yeah. Like, we can't well, decide after we've arrested you that, you know what, what you did actually was illegal. We've decided we made a new law, you know? In theory, yeah. I think that it happened sort of once recently. Mm, I'm trying to rack my brain now, but I don't remember what it was. Well, I, yes, it, it, that's supposed to be the case. Well, as long as that's the idea and it, you know, it, and, and again, things, I'm, I'm not saying it's perfect. It is far from it, but it's just one of those cool things where, like, uh yeah in general you don't have to worry about that yes exactly that if it's not a crime you can do it you don't have to worry about something becoming a crime later right like i don't have to worry about wearing pajamas or something because it might become a crime in the future (laughs) right Uh, uh 
so then uh, Phlox asks, when did you feel you were no longer under duress? And Amaryllis replies with Mew again, uh, saying that she always felt that it would represent a threat to her life to return. And I was like, okay, so maybe Mew is more like saying this is a when did you stop beating your wife type of question. And that I, I can't even plead one way or the other to it. The question itself is bullshit. Is it's what I'm trying to? I, I'm getting maybe that's the the sense. Like, again, the, like the nothingness kind of works for that too, right? Like there, there's nothing to reply to. Yeah, um, I found it. It's uh, negative, um, not have without that sort of stuff. Okay. Keyword in Buddhism, especially Zen traditions, and it's pronounced. Uh, How's it pronounced? I think mu. Mu. Okay, so but, it's different from the Greek letter. Yes. Uh, yeah, it is in the Greek alphabet too. That same noise. Um, but uh, I think I, again, I, I just assumed Arthur was a weeb. Um, yeah. But oh, and it also fits with the use here. Just like no, there's yeah, nothing. And, nothing. Yeah, cool. that, that seems to yeah. that seems to be her main defense. That like no, I was always under duress. I was never not in danger. And yeah, you know why didn't why didn't I write or God. Uh, so when you're in Baron Drool, why didn't you write? She'd already said that like she was captured by a golden or vision mage. Well, mm-hmm. I was in I, I was in a cell, and they they gave me food and water to keep me alive, but they didn't allow me to write and send letters. Like <laughs> shocking. She ha- she has to she has to spell that shit out for him. <laughs> yeah. God damn. Man, um, Onion says that. Uh, why does he bring this up? Because this feels like he's you know giving away a lot. They have like this long kind of like segue about. Um, Larkspur, and then when it looks like Amaryllis is winning that one, they're like, well, this isn't actually about Larkspur. Let's move back to the question at hand. Yeah. And then Onion says, point of information. At this moment, I have, because okay, in here, you don't have to present your evidence, like, you know, in discovery beforehand, right? Um, mm-hmm. So you guys should just announce, I have, at this moment, in custody, one Juniper Smith, one Oring Solace, one Pallet Asade, and two partridges and pear tree i was trying to think of <laughs> i liked how he you know i get like it's the formality way of saying it but i have two or yeah. solaces in custody anyway um <laughs> mr smith and miss solace have already testified to your involvement in larkspur's death and that lying piece of shit motherfucker and i was just like really hoping he'd kick the doors in um mm-hmm. but not yet tomorrow we certainly hope so i mean something's something's going up not you know i i'm stoked for tomorrow's court yes. session <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah and amrilis notices that uh one of the things he's said let slip uh that he said that paladin solace had claimed citizenship in Munun, and uh they they had not and uh, amrilis knows that and noticed it and like i didn't notice that and she's just really fucking sharp picking up on that like in the heat of the moment and uh, so she's like, okay, okay, he's probably pulling shit out of his ass. I-, I bet they didn't really say that I was involved in his death at all. And so she says, I move for the trial to be adjourned until the witness can be produced. I'm like, ha, suck it. You don't actually have him. This is going to suck for you. But then the vote didn't know it doesn't go her way. And then they, you know, pivot away from that, which I, it's total bullshit, man. Yeah. She was almost there. Well, and that that's the, you know, that's how you know this is just kangaroo court, right? Like they're, they're trying to get in trouble for all the, the Larkspur business. And then he's like, well, actually I have somebody that confessed to your involvement already. Oh, can we talk to him? Uh, no. Nope. You know what? The Larkspur <laughs> stuff doesn't matter. Let's move past it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, fuck you, man. Um, yeah. So uh, she, then her like 
she she pivots a bit and she's like, okay, well, I, I bumped into two very important people and they they gave me intense priorities. One of whom was Raven Masters, who said that we have to go to Leo and slay a giant monster. And uh, Phlox, which is uh, Onion's cousin wife, says, uh, well, that's a bolt. And also the... Oh, yeah. Also the chairman. Yeah. Uh, the one at the gavel. Uh, she says, uh, that's a bold claim. And Amarillo says, well, Raven's available. I'd be happy to call her here as a witness. You know, more definitive proof of what happened in Leo will be difficult to come by. But there are eyewitnesses to the entad we used and the aid provided to the citizens. And I don't think that's a matter of fact in question. And, you know, I know that the dragon bullshit isn't what's on trial here right now. But it's like, you guys can't say we didn't kill that thing because I have to come to court tomorrow afternoon for how we killed that thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Jesus. Good point. I can't I can't be in trouble for how we did it. And then you guys saying I didn't do it at the same time. Get fucked. Yeah. Um, Maybe the claim that she's saying is bold is that Raven came to you with a prophecy or something. But yeah, um, I I, I forgot this was mentioned in the chapter because Raven doesn't want to give away the existence of the infinite library. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was that closely kept of a secret. Like I didn't figure it was taught in primary school on air, but I figured people in the know knew about it. Yeah. I didn't realize quite how secret it was either. Cause then it would be really easy to explain how Raven knew about this giant monster. Yeah. Yeah. But they do, and, they do bring Raven masters to the, to the podium. They do. And Flox asks, what have you been doing the past few hundred years? And Raven says it's classified. <laughs> Flox says classified by what authority? She replies, Uther Pendrag. Like, oh, snap, you just got told. It was classified by the Lost King himself. Yeah, dropping the name of the big guy already. Hell yeah. On whose authority? Fuck you, whose authority. That's why, yeah. <laughs> A higher authority than you. Yes, the highest authority in the land. Yeah. Um, she, I don't know why. She, and I, I maybe I've already read it, but I'm not going to do that right now. But she, she's talking about Juniper. And says the mm-hmm. Juniper's special, Raven is, mm-hmm. Uther had the ability to pick up new abilities in a frighteningly short amount of time. Juniper has the same ability, if a bit more limited. And Emerilus suppresses a groan. Yeah, okay, so the context for that was uh, Onion asks her, like, why, why go to Emerilus and Juniper? You know, could be anybody. You could have come to the government or whatever, right? And she yeah, says... Yeah, you could have come to me. I'm fucking Onion. Yeah, I'll... I'll Go parry that monster and cut its head off. Um, <laughs> right. And she, Raven says, I've met a great many Pendrags over the years, and Amaryllis is most like Uther. She has his decisiveness, intellect, compassion. Um, and then uh, she, and then he says, what about Juniper? And then that's where she kind of drops that, because she has to say something at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, because Juniper, he was uh, also there. Uh- <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> You, sir, also appeared in this movie. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, um, also, she, she, after Raven is done, they're like, okay, well, Raven, I guess that was interesting. Do you have anything else? And she's like, yes. Also, part of the reason we're trying to stay hidden from scrutiny was protecting this secret that they have. It is a secret of vital importance. It's a secret which surely Onion by now knows. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, like, fucking Onion is just standing there totally stone-faced like he's like oh fuck i don't know the secret they, they didn't actually get anything from them what well, I, I they're calling my bluff and, and but you know he, he's good at the poker face thing and so he, finally he's like the princess is surely aware that i can't speak to matters of national security and amaryllis drops solace is the last living druid mic drop boom and then 
And then she says, I propose that Uring Solace be brought before this council by tomorrow when this trial can continue. Because she knows he doesn't have her, but he just told the whole court that he does. And now, now he's trapped and he can suck it. This is great. I yeah, that was awesome. And at this point, it's unclear if Anya knows that. He, no, wait. No, it's not. Onion didn't get the message back. Um, I don't know when he did his little, you know, wiretap to uh, uh, Yaro's earball, but um, I think it's safe to say that at this point he thinks he still has them. Uh, oh no! Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, but what he what he doesn't have is any of the things that he said that he you know he didn't get the confessions. Um, yeah. So like he made up all this now stuff he's that be, they said. He- yeah, but he now thinks he's gonna be sweating has... and hoping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, now this 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 makes it a mess, doesn't it? Because, uh, you know, if they just hung out in the prison, well, granted, they can't just do that; they're being tortured. But you know, Onion would have to show up and be like, "All right, come on, we got to take you to court." Um, then again, he'd probably just take Solace, uh, leave the other two. But now that now they're gonna go collect them, and it's like, oh wait, they're yeah. gone, and now it's gonna be a whole thing, um, mm-hmm. and when they do show up and it's like, Oh yeah, we, we had to escape because you put us in a government black site and tortured the shit out of us. Um, then that's going to be, you know, this, this is all, you know, if, if onion had just not been a dick, you know, Mm -hmm. if they had, uh, if they had done this, you know, more on the up and up, this wouldn't have happened. This is what happens when you, uh, you walk the, uh, the, the dark path onion, you know, they could have just had 10% of all of Amaryllis's stuff and let her go. Yeah. But no, now, now June's coming for your ass. You know what I wonder? Do you think Yaro and Zinnia were working for uh, Hyacinth or for Onion? I assume Hyacinth because she even said when she was soul fucked that it was. Oh no, she said before she was soul fucked that it was Hyacinth, but then she didn't like correct afterwards. So I think it was Hyacinth. But like, it sounds like Hyacinth and Onion are like in it together, real deep. It sounds like they're tight, but I think that Onion's higher on the pecking order. I yeah, that sounds like to me too. Like he's sounds like the number two most important person in the uh, empire. Yeah, and I think Palada was like, "Why did you tell us that it was Hyacinth at the beginning? Like just to throw her under the bus?" And mm-hmm. that might be it. Um, but you I like to save Onion's ass. Yeah, and I guess I only bring that up because mm. Hyacinth was the one who's going to get ten percent, right? Yeah, um, and Onion doesn't. He wouldn't get any of the untads. He's not even on the list to, of inheritance for them. So, well, sure, but if they're tight allies, then he's going to profit off her getting that 10% too. Maybe she'll loan stuff out to him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because some things can be invested and some things can't and yada, yada. Like, honestly, it's like, I, I think Hyacinth is his underling and having your underling get a level up is always good for you too. Yeah. I I just love how, like, she was kind of dancing around it. Uh, and then, like... Now his ass is on the line for or on the hook mm-hmm. for holding the world important knowledge to himself. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, well, I can't speak to national that matters of national security. Oh, I will. Salus is the last living druid, and you you <laughs> captured her, um, mm-hmm. which of course you would know because you've you've interrogated her, right? Right, yeah. Onion. Uh, you tortured the last living druid, right, Onion? Well, he ha- he hasn't confessed to torture yet, just interrogation. Ah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. my bad. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, torture. Well, the 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 court will have to spend thirty minutes defining what torture means. And um, yes, yeah. There, there's one last quick thing about how the court works. Some people had to phone in, you know, via Skype because they're mm-hmm. all around. But Skype isn't a thing yet, so they have various entads. 
And one is a glow in the dark bunny that I guess like transmits <laughs> voice or something like it yeah. lights up when the person's going to talk. Yeah. And I, I want that one. It's, I didn't notice this until you pointed out in your notes that Amaryllis literally calls it a bunny rather than a rabbit. Oh yeah. And you called it a, and you called it a walkie talkie. And I was like, Oh my God, is it a walkie talkie bunny bunny? <laughs> <laughs> Cause maybe that's the stupidest end tad. I don't know. It, it, it's a bunny. It's not something, you know, it could be worse, but I forgot. Yeah. She calls it a bunny, which is proof as, as hard proof as we could ever want that deep down, uh, we know that she's a, a sweetheart. I mean, unless it's literally called the walkie talkie bunny bunny, in which case she's just being correct. You're right. With in, in that possible <laughs> exception, but you know, she, if she yeah. called it a rabbit more clerical then you know, it's not evidence one way or another, but she calls it a bunny because bunnies are sweeties and yeah. All right. That's my proof. Right, I'll let you have that it. one. I, I concede the point. Because <laughs> we've got to end this somehow. We, ha- we yes. can't end this before we tell you what chapters we're reading next week, though. Right. Next week, we are going back for four chapters again. Uh, that is... Crap, I should have pulled this up beforehand. Uh, Stephen, help me out here. What's One, the first chapter number? 188, Common Law. 189, okay. oh. B-Side. 190, To Know One's Onions. <laughs> And 191, Overwhelming Violence. Oh, man. You, know, you gave me a treat. I'm looking forward to it. Yes. <laughs> um, so Onion lives at least until chapter 190 or 191. I'm, uh, But Overwhelming Violence, man, that's my kind of chapter name. Uh, yeah. Cool. I figured you'd be a fan of that one. Well, it, if, and if we're getting three more chapters to build up to it, it's going to be that much more satisfying. So mm-hmm. um, this is great. All right. Well, uh, as always, we have a Patreon. Um, Alexander Willis is a Patreon. Tell people about this work because it's awesome. If they also like this work, tell people about this podcast because it's awesome too. Uh, do we got anything else or are we calling it a night? We're calling it a night. Thank you, Alexander Wales, for uh, making this game so we can go to court and debate how fun it is. And everyone, <laughs> buy his book. Buy his audiobook. And we'll see you back Hell next yeah. week. Here's a very short preview of our long-ranging discussion on Peacemaker. You can listen to it right now if you're a patron. This is kind of like, you know, if you could press a button that disabled every nuke on the planet, Mm -hmm. you know, I would press that button a hot second, even if it like nobody knew but me, right? Yeah. yeah. But I've, I've taken away the determination, you know, that people might use to, um, or I've taken away the ability of people to, to make this decision, right? Mm-hmm. To, to use nukes i've done that on my own judgment uh, i think that sort of thing is very alluring but i also worry that that's exactly what leads you to uh become a pug in you know ten thousand generations become a pug